sometimes I like I would just accept it and just all right, this is just gonna be a bad night and and I'm and I might just lay here in my bed and cry all night. Mm-hmm. These manic episodes or these depressed depressive episodes. The only time I started to have meaningful recovery was when I started to just accept them mm. and accept them like the weather, mm. accept them like a storm. Mm. And if you're on a ship at sea and a storm hits, mm. you don't run out to the bow and start <clears throat> screaming at God trying to solve the storm. Right. Like you, you batten down the hatches, you do all the things. And Episode 7, recorded September 8th, 2021. Um, all right, so here we are. So this is uh, another another dig on the uh, Richard Wooten podcast. I'm still not used to saying that, but here we are. Uh, so a little bit different today. Today we have uh, my dear friend Zach Robison, and so... This is not, I didn't wake up today with the intention of having this conversation. Um, But something that is important to me about this whole podcasting that I'm trying to do here is I am, I'm trying to, I'm trying to accurately represent myself and I want to accurately represent all of it and sometimes it's really uncomfortable or really painful times in my life but I think that there's still value there and it's something it's something I want to talk about because it's still important to me and so what we're going to talk about today is specifically my mental health issues, which um, started very intensely in the fall of 2007 and culminated in me being institutionalized for a bit. And Zach was there during a lot of that process. Mm. So, um, and since he is moving to Puerto Rico in like 36 minutes or something like that. Um, this is, you know, he, this is the only opportunity mm-hmm. to, to have this conversation. So even though this is not what I thought, not, not, not really what I thought I was going to do this morning, I still think it's important to do. Mm. But so anyway, but that being said, so we, have known each other since high school. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Uh, how do you want to go about talking about this? Like, there's like so much. There's like years of stuff. There's, there's like really intense experiences that we've had together. There's like what you've gone through that even I don't know about. Sure. There's like shit that I know about by like, what I do with my time, my my free time, and what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what do you do for a living? Well, so um, currently I'm a coach 
and um, I do conflict mediation. And then essentially what my foundation is, is uh, supporting people having communication skills. So there's a lot of dealing with like how you frame reality and, and what impacts how we hold a human life, essentially, is the frame that I have on it. And mm -hmm. so I spend time like researching relational neuroscience and like gestalt therapy and uh, just like lots of different modalities because uh, I think each one has something cool that can bring to just being with another human being. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, um, well, that feels like as decent a place as any to start. So <laughs> because what sets you apart amongst people I know or amongst friends that I've had is that and I, and I mean and I, I hope everyone is I, I would I would it would be my most sincere wish that everyone is fortunate enough to have the kinds of friends that I've had but you're really one of those almost to a fault like you're whatever someone's going through or whenever I've been going through things you always had a willingness to get in there with it right not not just sort of okay dude uh well that sounds rough but well, let me know if you need anything right right um and so so that that kind of connects to uh, sort of because that's why that's why you're the one who has this <laughs> this conversation <laughs> who had to have this yeah. conversation is be is because you know because you showed up when I was losing my mind. <laughs> um, it was a great weekend. It was a lot of fun. It was eventful. <laughs> uh, so I guess maybe maybe a way to go about it um, is to sort of, and maybe you can kind of lead this in a sense of sort of, um, maybe we can just sort of start at the things that sort of like the events that led up hmm. to to that you know actually my intuition is more of like i'd like to ask you yes please where are you around it now oh that's a great question um wonderful that's a better place um so i was diagnosed as being bipolar and and so where I'm at, where I'm at with it now is, uh, I don't, it's, it's, I don't know, because I, I don't take medication for it and I haven't for some time. And to be very clear, if you are listening to this and you are taking medication, I'm not advocating getting off of it. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I absolutely needed the medication for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. um, so please don't get the wrong idea. I'm not trying to sell you some BS about how you don't need it. Right. That's not what I'm saying. Mm. Not even a little bit. If I didn't have the mood stabilizing medications, I probably would have committed suicide because I needed those to turn the volume down so I could try to address things in my life. Um, 
But right now, honestly, honestly, in a lot of ways, having a family helps keep things regular mm -hmm. because I have a lot of feedback mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I was single and I was living alone, I could not sleep for several days. And, and you got to be doing your job real shitty before someone at your job is going to be like, hey, man, are you okay? <laughs> Right. Before someone is like willing to have that awkward, yeah, you know, have that confrontation with you at your job. Yeah. You got to, you got to, you like, your shirt's got to be way untucked. <laughs> and, and so, but whenever you're, you know, whenever you're taking care of your son and you have a wife and people see you, you know, every day, like if you deviate a little, they know. Right. And so having those, those that sort of constant feedback, it it lets you know whenever you're like, you know, oh man, I, I yelled at my son three times today. Okay, that's that's unusual. Okay, I need to check in. Mm -hmm. And so that that helps me manage it. But you know, it's it's a I, I feel like managing mental for me, for me. I don't wanna I don't wanna necessarily I don't wanna Right, everybody's on a spectrum, and things could be more intense, and your environment, and just like how you've even managed to get through certain circumstances will impact all of it. So everybody's super individual on that. Right, and and I guess like I, I'm I'm gonna say it again, I'm sure, but if if I had a message to to put out there, it would be that it's okay to get help, whatever help looks like for you. Right. That's so just, mm -hmm. um, and help can look different to different people in different situations, different circumstances. So, but for me coping or, you know, assimilating, whatever handling by, you know, that I did, how do you work that into your identity? Right. And the language I've thrown at that, the way that I sort of try to make sense of it is that you have to have this balance of acknowledging it while simultaneously not letting it define you. Mm -hmm. And so it's really tricky to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm bipolar, but to not look at yourself in the mirror and say it 10 times in a row. Right. Uh, you know, like I'm bipolar, so I need to be aware of certain triggers and I need to be aware of certain tendencies and I need to know that if this happens, then this happens, then this happens, that usually this is what happens next. So I need to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. I need to know that if I have three really good, amazing, productive, I'm going to change the world days in a row, that, that a crash is coming. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean I did anything wrong. Right. That doesn't mean that the work I have done is negated. Right. You know, it just it's it's just it's just part of the rhythm of my life, which is a, which is just in it's just in, I have a very it's very intense. You know, the highs are very high, the lows are very low, and and so, but you don't want to. For me, I. It feels like there's a line of if I lean too much into the identity of being bipolar that I will lock myself into what I subconsciously define as bipolar behavior. Mm. It, it, does that sort of like, like, yeah. So like, let me make sure I'm getting what you're saying. Uh, like even 
bigger things that you've been saying to uh so in the beginning you were on the medication to essentially regulate to help some of the intensity dial down so you could just just function just not die yeah and from there you were able to start creating what sounds like function like Mm -hmm. getting back into life and there was chunks of times where it might have been harder to regulate because you were by yourself like just like in your man cave apartment right uh your, your, right your hulk doll next yeah. to your books and like playing yeah. morrowind yeah it's uh, it's a lot when you live by yourself like you can make yourself a pot of coffee uh, and bake some sugar cookies at 11 o'clock at night nobody's upset and and play skyrim until 5 a.m yeah and no one's mad yeah no one's mad um no one's like are you fucking okay yeah, dude yeah yeah that's not happening I, yeah i can't make a pot of coffee like right like at 11 <clears throat> o'clock at night yeah. you know like you know, <laughs> can't do this shit <laughs> without someone asking questions. And so that there wasn't any like really strong uh, feedback systems. Yeah. Uh, and then now, now currently that you've been on the medication, you were on the medication long enough to really regulate and find yourself in the marriage and with the child now, like the family. Mm-hmm. And so um, you're having human interactions that give you the feedback and the experiences to to help you kind of track where you are. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And it's it's one of the things that, you know, because what really helped when I was trying to understand it at the beginning, I was trying to understand it, you know, like a like a philosophical problem. Hmm. You know, or or like a physics problem. Like this is, you know, because that's what I studied in college was physics and mathematics. And so I was trying to approach it like it was a problem to solve. Right. And, okay, well, I just need to do these things in this order. And then it's, okay, it's fine. Or right. I just need to think about That was where I would get really lost. Like, okay, I'm just thinking about the world in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so that's why my mind isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. Right. And... And at the end of the day, I think it really just boils down to uh, needs. Uh, And and so when in doubt, you know, take care of your body. And so, you know, sleep, a little bit of exercise. I'm not saying like, because if if you're on that bipolar shit, what you like to do is you're like, you like to commit to some crazy... Uh, exercise routine and you're like, all right, I'm going to do kettlebells for two hours and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to run six miles. And then I'm going to, it's like, when I say exercise, I mean like, just go, just get outside and go, go for a walk. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and, and diet and I'm, I, you know, I have diet issues. I have issues with things like that. I had, cause I, I stress eat and I, and I cope Mm-hmm. with with negative emotions by overeating right and it's a it's a it's a behavior i learned as a child that mm-hmm. i haven't completely unlearned and you know at, at two different points in my life i was like 330 pounds you mm-hmm. know so and i'm like two 245 right now so right um so i'm not the worst that i've ever been yeah <laughs> um and you know so sleep, exercise, diet, and then the other one that I didn't that I didn't have the language to really 
articulated until most recently, into a few past few years, is really social needs. Because we as humans, we have those social needs, and those those social needs are just the same as those other needs. It's that mm. you know of, of exercise and food and nutrition and right. sleep, you know, right. and that and socializing like that. If you're fortunate enough and you're lucky enough, like I am, to have friends that you can call and have really deep conversations with, mm-hmm. that's great and amazing. If you don't have that. Then when there's there have been times where I didn't have that, then mm-hmm. just just go to the grocery store. <laughs> have other human beings around you is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As something just as simple as going and and buying a, a you know an, a seventy five cents seventy five cent cup of coffee or something, mm-hmm. uh-huh, or a bottle of water, because and it's almost all the things that you have to do in order to get there. Right, you got to put on clothes. You got to put on your outside clothes. Right. You know? It's almost like what I'm hearing you talk about is like, on one hand, there's like getting your social needs met. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, what I'm hearing about now is the, maybe the world that we're living in behind that closed door isn't the healthiest for us right now. And getting up and going out into the world could actually be supportive for us to like come back because this this is kind of reminding me of like what I wanted to make sure I heard you say earlier about like if I put on the frame that I'm bipolar I can unintentionally start to behave that way more deeply mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, like oh and, well I'm <clears throat> I'm having a depressed episode so it's I'm not gonna leave the house and for right. weeks or right I'm having a manic episode <clears throat> so I guess I'm just not gonna treat people right Right, you know, and you you don't want you don't want to use it, you don't want to use it to validate. Yeah, to 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 validate. Um, that's really difficult to say because you want to forgive yourself for for behavior that is less than constructive, mm-hmm. but you don't want to give yourself permission to right. participate in destructive behavior. Right. And and it's, it's difficult to sort of articulate. Right. Well, it sounds like you're talking about having grace with yourself, knowing that it'll be difficult at times to show up the ways that, given the desires that you might have on a normal day, are harder to meet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, right, right, right. And so like when I'm talking about that, that's, that's exactly it. Like when I'm talking about, you know, like just, just go to the store you know, just go, go because yeah, maybe you don't have the effort or you don't have the energy to, you know, to call someone up and have a deep conversation, but just interacting with a cashier or just someone needing, saying, excuse me, someone needing to get out of your way. That's a nice little feedback loop that you exist. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's good. Can you tell me about um, well, yeah, actually, I want to say one more thing, and then I would love to ask you another question. You cool with that? Oh, uh, please. Yeah. So, like, making sure I'm hearing you is that there's a quality of you can find yourself in a, a, a reality of, like, I'm bipolar and how that can start to impact versus being like, I'm Richard and I have to watch my bipolar tendencies. Sure. Sounds like what seems to be, like, the, the thing that you're aiming for. Like, I'm yeah. more than just bipolar, and I, I, 
which is the other thing I think is really cool because it sounds like you found your your patterns, like you've been paying attention <laughs> enough, which that's really yes. super one of the most important things is yeah. creating awareness, noticing like like for me personally with I have ADHD and so I know that if I have something important to do later in the day, I struggle to get anything done before that. Mm. Mm-hmm. because I'm I'm like so like there already and I'm struggling to find like what do I need to do and then my time management's off and my prioritizing yeah. things is difficult and now I'm in analysis paralysis and I'd rather just procrastinate until the thing that I have scheduled. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I've that learned that sense. about me. So that like my rhythm is to try to put the important things earlier if I can so that I have this stuff after like the space and bandwidth to not think of for, worry about that sure. later. Like sure. there's, there's just these, these kind of things that go on. Um, and so like, I mean, just like what I like to do in my profession, what I, what I do first is I try to create just any awareness we can, like what's going on? What's the problem? What do you, what's the solutions that you're looking for? What's the problem that you're addressing? What's the patterns? What's the stimuli mm-hmm. that's setting you off? You know, like how is that going and who's doing what and how do you speak? Like, there's so many things that I think, um, we are sensitive to in an experiential way, but could super not be aware of in a cognitive way. You know, like somebody can talk and you're like, oh, I don't know why that guy gets on my nerves. Mm -hmm. But it could just be a tone of voice thing. Like just his tone of voice. He could say everything perfectly, but his tone of voice is off. Sure. Uh, You know, and so like these are the types of things that um, I really try to address and like look at. Like what is the, the discernment that we can make that, that's setting us off. Mm-hmm. And then like, when was the first time that set you off? And like, what's setting you off about it? You know, and there's just like so many things. Uh, it's like going on a, a, a scavenger hunt or something for me. Like it's like uncovering all these things. But right. But that's the, the thing that I really love what I'm hearing you say is that it sounds like you've created a, an ability within yourself to examine your patterns and be aware of them to the degree that you're like, oh, here's a thing that's about to happen. How mm-hmm. do I potentially, like, and it's not guaranteed, but there's like a yeah. bell curve gradient, like there's a potential that's right. higher right now. Yeah, and I mean, I, I journal a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, in, and, 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 and you know, and, and writing is something that's always helped me process. Mm. Because I have to put the thoughts in, in, I have to put the words in order and I have to put the thoughts in order. Mm-hmm. And then the thought is there on the paper and it's not in my head anymore. Like mm-hmm. the paper's holding the thought for me. I don't have to hold it. And then I can look at it. And a lot of times when you do that, you can look and be, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but doing that and, and spending a lot of time reflecting on my own patterns and triggers and and those mm-hmm. types of things and you know I I don't want to paint a picture that I'm on the other side of this you know but I'm I'm not right. you, you know this isn't bec- and and I feel like that's almost a fallacy that that I felt when you know when I was younger and dealing with this is that and I think that's why a lot of people sometimes stop taking their medication is because they, well, I'm better now. Hmm. Like that it was an event, not a condition. Right. 
you know, and right. it's, and it's, and that, that, that's just not, that's just not the way that it is. It's, it's frustrating because you don't, because you don't, that's not how you want to, you know, you want to think like, oh yeah, that was some shit I had to deal with and I dealt with it and now mm-hmm. it's fine and now I can do whatever I want and it's okay. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you mm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I mean, you can, but it might damage your relationships, you know. Well, so what's coming for me right now is... <clears throat> It sounds like the wisdom and the experience of like having one of these bigger episodes and then feeling better and then almost having that become a lull or a lapse in self-care. Like it's not an excuse to like put down like the, to making sure I'm being present to like what might happen. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I guess like it's really tricky because a lot of, All things in moderation, even moderation, right, is is the best way that I can say it. Because there have been times where I've been really lost in a sense, and like I do not feel good. Mm-hmm. And so one one period was not too long after my son was born. Um, that's sort of when he was sort of from the age. So like after three months, my wife went back to work and then the sort of like four months to six months to eight months or so, Mm -hmm. that sort of period, I was very, very, I was not good. I was not because my sleep was so erratic Mm -hmm. because of, you know, because it's it's a newborn baby. baby. That's what that will do, you know? And so I tried to sort of what helps me when things get that chaotic is I'll have a checklist and and I'll make it very simple and I'll make it very unjudgmental Mm. of you know did I get outside today check did I you know did I um you know did I did I get up before this time or did I you know and I'll try to make it a list of things that I know help, that I know make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I try mm-hmm. not to put on things that are meant to be negatives, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't try to, you know, I try to frame it as a positive question, right? right. Like that I avoid sugar, that I avoid alcohol, that I, right. you know, or right. did I, or did I have minimal caffeine, minimal sugar, right? Mm-hmm. But the other side of that is that you can also lean too hard into in, into like this idea of a of a checklist and like optimizing your performance and becoming mm-hmm. obsessed about all these types of things and to reach all of your goals and all that sort of stuff and then that that can set you up to fall as well and so it's. Mm-hmm. And that's more like the exhaustive burnout of not being able to sustain that continu- continuous optimization. Yeah, yeah. And and so that's why I, I fall back to that, you know, help is going to look different at different times because sometimes, and that's, it's, that's why this is, that's, that's why you need to ask for help. That's why you need to be able to reach out because there might be a time whenever you're, whenever it's like, 
oh, okay, that's perfect. I just, I just need to make like a list of these behaviors and like, you know, do these things and, and check in with myself every day. And I notice that when I, if I can hit three or four of these, then I don't have a terrible day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then you're like, oh, well, shit, man, I got to, I didn't get up till seven instead of getting up at six. I guess my day's fucked. Right. And that's not realistic either. That's not healthy. Right. That's, you know, now you've become too judgmental. You know, there's too much self-judging, you know. And, um, but yeah, like it's okay. And one more thing I wanted to add real quick about social needs. Um, if you're not okay, you know, it's okay to reach out to a friend, but that doesn't mean that you have to talk about what's bothering you right that's absolutely true because getting when and i'm I'm talking like that baseline like yes you're gonna need to talk about it to solve these things in the long run but i'm not talking about fixing yourself in a day i'm talking about getting through the day i'm talking about getting to tomorrow Mm -hmm. and to just get that baseline social need met you know you don't need to call someone up and and tell them tell them about all of your suicidal ideation and how depressed you are you don't need to have that conversation per se like you can you can just have a just a feedback loop of talking to them about whatever i think that might be why sometimes a lot of uh i think a lot of people ended up into you know that sort of have these predilections end up in that sort of like wounded healer archetype of like it's easier for us to hold space for other people's problems than actually address and go into our own. Yeah, yeah. because <clears throat> because we get that we get a really serious social need <clears throat> met by that. Mm-hmm. But we're we don't we don't have to burden someone else <coughs> with our stuff. And, you yeah. know. Or even it might not even be burdening somebody else. It's like struggling with genuine vulnerability, with like lack of trust. Sure. Or yeah. Any of those other things where it's yeah. like I don't have a an experience of really ever being held or seen or validated or cared for in a way that it feels safe sharing what's really going on for me. So there's a quality of like, I don't want to burden others Mm -hmm. that can be in there for sure. Yeah. And there's also like, wow, I just don't ever feel safe. I think that's a big, I think that's a big one for sure. Um, Cause you know, like you and I both have a background of having a period where we're just with our mother who's struggling to make sure that we survive. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, and I think that's one of the things <clears throat> that might even be one of the things why we, we function well as friends in my world. Like, mm. um, there's a, an amount of what I feel like a, like holding ourselves that I think we learned in that time period, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't intentionally taught to us. You know, like, I'm thinking about my mom getting down to like 89 pounds, mm. starving herself, making sure my brother and I can eat, you know? Yeah. And then watching her at the table trying to figure out bills, but not wanting to tell her about how the babysitter is letting her kids beat me. Because I don't want to burden her with one right. of seeing how much she's already struggling. So like, yeah, you know, so I definitely want to validate, like totally get that there's things that we don't always want to share when we're watching the people around us already struggling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, um, Yeah. 
So my mother recently passed. So thinking about those things gives me a bit of pause at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Something I did want to mention about her specifically, this is kind of, I guess, a segue. Totally. Is there any? Okay. Um, So whenever I... So, and I can go into this more in depth <coughs> if it happens, but uh, just on the, just something I really wanted to say positively about my mother in regards to all this. So my series of breakdowns happened in 2007 and I pretty quickly understood that something wasn't right and and I sought help I started trying to find help like I took like an online quiz of like mm-hmm. you know and it was like oh you're bipolar as fuck <laughs> and then I, I I tried to make an appointment with like the camp I was I was doing I was uh, in the PhD program mm. at Texas A&M and I made, you know, tried to make a point with a counselor. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're bipolar as fuck. Um, Can confirm, internet test was correct. Yeah. He's like, you're kind of, what you're going through is a little, and, I, and I'll, I'll unpack all of, quote, unquote, what I was going through. But he, but he's just like, what you're going through is a little bit beyond what we're equipped to deal with here. But I have a friend over at Tri-County Mental Health Clinic. Yeah. And so they got, you know, so the only reason that I, that that felt like the right thing to do Mm. was because of the example that my mother had set as a child when she and I were grieving for losing my father Mm -hmm. because he died when I was six years old Mm -hmm. and then her father died two years later. And so, and she took us to therapy, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this was 92. Not the norm. It was not. And it was, you know, lots of family friends, plenty of family members shamed her for it, told her it was a bad idea and all these types of things, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but she insisted because it was the right, you know, she felt like it was, she felt like we needed it. And, and I just, I really, really, I just can't say enough about how big of a deal that was. And just what a fucking badass to sort of stand, stand there in the pocket with what the culture is telling you mm-hmm. and with what your friends are telling you and with what your family is telling you to do and to go completely against that grain to do what you feel is right Mm-hmm. That that just takes that just takes so much strength and will and integrity, mm-hmm. and it set such a great example for me mm-hmm. that you know years down the line when I was dealing with those things, I I had that as a groove to sort of fall into. Of well, let me go fucking find someone to talk to, you know, let me go, let Mm -hmm. me, you know, and I don't think that, 
I don't think that I would have had that without, like, I don't think I would have had that behavior pattern already, you know, without that already established. That was like the prerequisite for you to make that decision, for sure. Right, you know, because she she did such a good job, you know, like, like she went to the library and like after my dad died, I mean, not immediately after, but like a year after the first year was really rough for her, but, you know, she like went to the li- the public library and checked out books on grief, mm-hmm. and like read herself out of depression. She's like, oh, like I don't like. She says you should decorate the house with flowers. Well, I can't afford. I- I'll go buy some nice, cheap plastic flowers, but I'll find some that I like because I can't afford. I can't fucking fill the house up with fucking real flowers, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but she, <clears throat> she didn't just lay down. Right. You know, and and just the idea of like, I'm going to go to a library and check out a book about grief and figure out how to get over my my, you know, losing my husband like that. That's that's gutsy. Right. You know. Yeah. Your mom was such a like I experienced her as like a hoss and a sweet lady. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Fiercely protective of you. Like I that was one of the things that I always love is like I never doubted any of her love for you, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, I, I always felt like that was one of the boons that you had as well through this whole thing is that you had an unwavering support like that. For sure. Yeah. Like that was, yeah. not everyone has that fortune and. Yeah. And it, I'm, I'm barely processing it right now, but that is one of the things that I, I definitely feel at the moment because right now my life is in sort of a season of reinvention Mm. creatively and, and all these types of things. And I mean, that's what this podcast is kind of all about, or this podcast is a, is a piece of that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it fucking sucks, dude, to be reinventing myself and to right at the beginning of that process to have lost my anchor. Right. You know? Right. Uh, because, but it, but you know, Simultaneously, I am. I am you, grateful. Go ahead. Do you mind if I say that it feels more accurate for me to say is you've lost one of your anchors? Valid. Yeah. Valid. I, I, I've, I've lost my first anchor. Yeah. My first. most consistent. Yeah. The anchor. Longest. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. But certainly not the. Yeah. And. But. You know, I am grateful that I know that my mom loved me and she knows that I loved her. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was no, I didn't leave, you know, it wasn't, I didn't, I, I just wanted a little more, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't, but th- it doesn't feel like there was a lot left unsaid because me and my mom had a really great relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we so, but yeah, but I really wanted to give her props and give her credit for setting such a great example, and 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 you know because kids, this is what I'm learning with kids, is they will not do what you tell them, they will do what you do. Yeah. It's pretty consistent. 
And so, but so by my mother showing me mm-hmm. how to do the work to get better, mm-hmm. that made it almost subconscious right. for me to do it later. Yeah. And I mean, like hearing all this, I'm just feeling really grateful for her in that regard. Say that again? Like just hearing all of this, like to mm-hmm. the degree, feeling really grateful for her, you know? Yeah. I, I had, you know, yeah. Because, um, I mean, like, there was a time period where I could have lost my friend. Yeah, that's a real, that was a real, real possibility. That was really real. And it sounds like some of the decisions that she made, <clears throat> starting far as back as even in your childhood. For sure. Set yeah. you up for... Yeah, and it's one of the things <clears throat> that, like, when I was going through these things, man, it was so hard for her. Mm-hmm. Because she, the helplessness that she had had gone through, it, <coughs> I mean, it makes me I thinking about how much it must have hurt her to know that I was hurting mm-hmm. and to not be able to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I know that's what was so hard. Mm-hmm. For her, especially as a mother, especially mm-hmm. as, you know, that she had done so much uh, to protect me and to, you know, and to not be able to protect me from my own mind. <laughs> right. You know, and to and to have all the doubt of like, what did, you know, did I do something wrong? Did I, you know, right. to have all of that. And that time period was, was really, I know it was really terrible for her as well. Yeah. So. I mean, but it's also what's coming up for me and I hope I'm not like trying to like, I hope it doesn't feel like I'm trying to make words get away from negative feelings. But like, I think that's also why she like really loves seeing you where you are now. Oh, for sure. With Max and Allison. Because she understood that it wasn't, you know, I mean, everyone has struggles and and I don't want to, I don't want to. Richard, you took the fucking hard road to get here, brother. (laughs) Like, like, I I understand that some people could have it worse or whatever (laughs) the fuck you're about to say. (laughs) Whatever, 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 like, uh, humble, diminishing your fucking bullshit, like the amount of the the shit you had to trudge through to get here. Like, I almost want to tell you to fuck off, you know, like, uh, like, dude, being a witness to that, just the same as like, you have done that for me being like, Zach, right? like, it's okay for you to be upset. It's okay for you to be angry about what happened to you. It's the same for me to be like, Richard, it's okay for that to really fucking hurt and sucked in that, like, you be seen in that. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, you know. Because that was hard. Yeah, and I guess what I was, for some people, I think that, and I mean, and maybe it really, maybe, maybe this is what I'm trying to say. Whether it's necessarily true or not, we are often made to feel that the path, that, that, that many people's path towards 
success, whatever that means, or towards family or towards stability, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. whatever tracks is that for you, that that is a more or less linear path. And, and maybe there's, maybe it slows at times, but there's not periods where, where, where it, where it doesn't seem, where not even tomorrow seems certain, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, and there were, there were those times for me, there was lots of, there were lots of times and lots of years where it wasn't a guarantee that that I was going to make it and certainly not that I was going to be able to have meaningful long term <laughs> a meaningful long term relationship in a in a family and mm-hmm. you know and not certainly didn't seem like that kind of stability was on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, it was not, and I, I, so just to sort of, you know, piggybacking on what you said, like it, it's not hard for me to be grateful. And I think that that is why my mom was so happy and so enamored with, was so happy, you know, so happy that I got married. And so, you know, she loved my wife so, 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 so much. I've never seen a more supportive mother-in-law and, and it's impossible to put into words how much she loved Max. And I think that, I think that maybe you're right. Like maybe a big part of like that, that love is the other side of the coin of that, of that doubt and fear she had for me when I was going through all these things. I would, I would dare say even before that. For sure. You know, like, I mean, currently where we're sitting in your studio, this is like, I I mean, I can't think of a better legacy of like her efforts. Yeah. You know, like, from where you were with uh, a mom who was like really not doing okay, but with your father passing to the man you are now and everything in between and her being able to see this place, like see where you're at. Right. I mean, right. I can't think of a more of an accomplished feeling that I could have with how much your mom prioritized and loved you that like where you are now. And so I was like, just, I'm with you in what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So I, I think I'll be, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, you know, I'm not going to avoid talking about her, but it's, it's, you know, I'm still, I mean, I'm still, it's still very, still very, very fresh. Um, I'm still like, you know. Yeah, man. Reasonably. Like I was going to text her, hey, Zach's coming over. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I still have all that. My intuition is still, you know, to reach out, telling you know. So, but I think that that's just how, that's just how grief is, you know. So, yeah. but, but yeah, I guess maybe it's appropriate to like talk about the actual shit. Yeah, but actually, 
Do you mind if we just pause for a second? I don't mind. Yeah. Like, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground and me doing what I do. Like, I know that we're about to go into more stuff, but there's a quality of just like taking a breath. <laughs> just like, whew, talking about some shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, for sure. Like it, you know, yeah, I don't know. How are you <laughs> feeling right this second? How about that? How am I feeling right this second? Like in regards to just being you. What's it like being you? Not in regards to anything. <clears throat> what's it regards? What, what's it like being Richard right now? Man, it's busy, but I think I'm keeping myself busy so that I'm not so that I can function. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a bit of excitement. Because there's a lot of, uh, you know, exciting new creative things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, per- go ahead. And just to be more specific, like, please, if you could name the emotions that you're feeling right now, like, what is it that you might be feeling in this moment? <sighs> I don't know. I feel like I could say some things and but they feel a bit performative. I don't know. Like I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel I don't know. I feel like to sort of articulate an emotion I'm feeling I have to kind of zoom out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I want to zoom out. Cool. So I'm hearing you're kind of in it in right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I zoom out, I can sort of say, well, I'm very grateful to be having this conversation with you right now, Zachary. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm hearing you're in it. Okay. That's yeah. what, I just wanted to check in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, this is, I'm doing the thing that I planned on doing when I pushed record. There we are. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you wanted to go in and talk about the the things. So instead of going into like the stories that we could regale uh, of like some of the more intense things that we've had happen, I think what's still I'm still there's a part of me still back with you going into the grocery store. Sure. Yes. Can you tell me about like what a day like that might have been like for you? So uh, uh, a bad getting by day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a really bad, but what I would, I guess what I would call a getting by day. And it's really difficult because it's very easy right now to, to, to talk about, to, to talk about these things rationally. When you're in that state, you're not, you know, you're not really, it's, you know, like those executive processes aren't. Well, here's the thing. I don't know, actually. Like, 
that's why I'm okay. like I have some understanding from like an outside view of hearing other people's talking about it, but okay. <clears throat> so if I'm getting real with Richard right now, like the point of the the, the, the podcast, like this feels like a prime opportunity, an example of you to talk about something that it's better to not generalize, but to be like, what specifically was it like for you? That makes sense. Uh, I have a tendency to generalize. To generalize, I think, is a as a <laughs> as a means to pretend that uh, as like a kind of like ego deflection of you know of mm-hmm. and it's like hey you know you you're you're doing a thing and you're you know you have a podcast and you're naming it after yourself like you have a microphone in front of your face you clearly <laughs> like you don't get to like grab the microphone and stand on the couch in the living room in front of everybody and then be like well i'm a little shy <laughs> i mean you can you can and uh, people, i'm hearing that you might not want to do that people should know that you and people would be justified in saying that you're full of shit <laughs> Like, I don't really want this attention. Whatever. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, really, I would love to, I would love to hear if you have just like a, a, a memory of a day. If that feels something that feels safe and healthy. Of course. To, yeah, yeah, to yeah no, no, man, I can, I, I, it feels good to me to lean into the uncomfortable in a sense. And that's kind of what I want to do with this anyway. Um, so there were some realizations that I had early on because I I would have this sort of wandering sense when I would get sort of almost manic where I would want to just get in my car and just drive. Mm-hmm. And, but that started to get dangerous because I'm very volatile very impulsive mm-hmm. in that state. Right. And so that could be me getting into a fight with someone. That could be me wrecking my car. That could be all sorts of bad things. And so I got to a point when I was trying to sort of recover where it would sometimes I like I would just accept it and just, all right, this is just going to be a bad night. And and I'm and I might just lay here in my bed and cry all night. Mm-hmm. But I'll but I'll wake up in the morning and we'll try again, you mm-hmm. know. And but but just accepting, you know, and I the analogy that I use a lot are is that these manic episodes or these depressed depressive episodes the only time i started to have meaningful recovery was when i started to just accept them mm. and accept them like the weather mm. accept them like a storm mm-hmm. and if you're on a ship at sea and a storm hits Mm. You don't run out to the bow and start <clears throat> screaming at God trying to solve the storm. Right. Like you, you batten down the hatches, you do all the things, and you wait. Mm-hmm. You take care of your body, and you wait. 
Mm. And it passes. And over time, you get better at spotting the storms from further away. Mm. And so you got better at spotting them. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But it, I didn't have any, every prog, all the progress I had had mm-hmm. up till that, that frame, <coughs> to use your language, that perspective, mm-hmm. would always be two step forward, three steps back, one step forward, two steps back, one step, one back. It, I never, I never gained any ground that I kept mm-hmm. until I started looking at it that way. Mm-hmm. Because prior to that, a setback would, oh, well, you fucked up, Richard. You fucked up. Right. Oh, you lost it again. You fucked up, you know. Yeah. And um, so, but then moving forward, you know, this would have, that, that sort of realization would have happened around like two years or so after the initial incident and diagnosis. And moving forward, you know, like what a bad day, what a bad getting by day might be is Mm. to wake up and to to know that today is not going to be a great day and to accept that it's not like you're not you're not going to do all the things you wanted today. Mm -hmm. So when I was teaching teaching at college. Um, it's like, all right, this is not, you're not going to give your best lecture today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to give your best drum lessons today. Mm-hmm. Let's just get by. Right. Now, every once in a while, you can't even do that. And you got to call in. You got to, you got to <laughs> like throw in the towel. You know, sometimes, sometimes you, you look up and you're that far out in the deep water. Mm. That you're like I'm. I'm a liability if I'm in front of people right now. Can you talk a bit more about the deep water um, being a liability? Whenever you're in a very, whenever whenever you're in a bad frame of mind. So what something that would happen to me often. So. Um. You know, in bipolar, you talk about manic episodes. You talk about depressive episodes. So you're <coughs> up or you're down. And so it, I don't know that that – I don't know that's necessarily for how I think about it. But what's dangerous – because if you're manic and you're in a good mood and you're in a good place, so fucking what, man? You're just really – you're just – you're just really on point. You're just really motivated. You're just really charismatic. You're just really, you know, you might be a little too intense or maybe people don't want to be around you or maybe people don't want to deal with your flight of ideas and maybe people don't want to keep up with all the new things and all this and how, you know, da, da, da. and depending on how intense that dial is, you know, because sometimes that dial is real intense and you think that, you know, you see that everything connects and you're like, oh man, I see how everything works together and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I'm fucking special. Maybe I'm God. And, and that's that's dangerous path. Um, a little. I'm clearly a prophet. I, you yeah. know, I'm clearly a prophet. You know, and <laughs> and so, but it's almost it's almost like that's like a 
like getting into a manic episode, it's almost like a rocket ship. Like it's a rocket trajectory and some things can go wrong and you can end up way out off. You know, like sometimes you just, you just go right, you know, right into flight of ideas. Everything's amazing and connected, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but then sometimes you, things get negative and being in a manic state, and being in a negative headspace is dangerous for mm. me because if you're in a negative headspace and you're depressed, you know, it's like, it's like you're a serial killer with no gas in your car. Like, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, man, I got all these bad ideas and I can't get out of bed. So that's little, there's not that much harm I can do. But the inverse. The in the inverse. And so knowing knowing that state and knowing that when you're in that, like if you're in a bad, bad place and you're motivated, you gotta you gotta, you know, that that that's when if you can't regulate that, man, you for me, what I do, I, I have to remove myself from whatever situation. You know, um, because I'm 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 dangerous, you know, and someone can say the wrong thing and violent, you know, like it it can. Um, that's how, how do you like if you could break down your your principles and your values and your morals and your perspective and your motivators, if you even have them on the days that you're like, I need to, to leave to pull out, I need to isolate, like, because that's, like, to me, that's one of the acts of will that has me and has had me feel safe with you in some pretty unsafe situations, because there's a thing there that, like, Richard, good day, Richard, bad day, Richard, normal day. Mm-hmm. Richard, like R- Richard, there's a thing in there mm-hmm. that I-, I dare say is at the has its hand on a part of the car's ability to move at all times. Whether it's the throwing the fucking emergency brake on, or turning the wheel, or climbing over the seat to hit the brake. You know, yeah. like there's a. I yeah I I don't know man I I feel like I just have a very fundamental awareness of my capacity to hurt to that it's possible for me to hurt the people I love or or strangers in 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 ways that are not fixable mm-hmm. um I don't I don't necessarily mean violence right um and and that's just i i just would never want to do that mm. i i never want to hurt anyone and i would never want to yeah and so that's i don't know that is the that maybe that's the <clears throat> the part of me that can you know as you say reach from the back seat and or or it's it's not you know it's not even necessarily that it's it's that i i am very aware of that 
Mm-hmm. And I, I see that. I, 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 I touch that, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I, I name, I acknowledge, I look at that demon inside of me, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, that capacity to hurt, to willfully, intentionally hurt mm-hmm. um, emotionally or physically. Right, right, right. And, and because I acknowledge it's that, that, that presence, you know, I think that that makes me on, makes me hypervigilant. Mm. So it sounds like there's almost like a, an honesty of like, oh, I'm seeing my capacity to do that and even parts of me that desire that occasionally or... Yeah, I, yeah, I think that some... I think there's very easy... I don't think that there's a lot of people out there that understand how... <clears throat> whatever. I don't think there's a lot of people out there that understand how, like, the violence that they are capable of. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, oh, well, I'm a good person. I would never. Right. You would in the wrong situation at the wrong time on the wrong day. You just might. Right. And Perfect circumstances could definitely. Yeah, and 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 I have been faced with I have unde- I have had to face that in myself and undeniably acknowledge that, and I think that that makes me hyper vigilant. Mm. And so if I am in a situation and I feel the temperature being raised, I leave. Right, and you know it. And as an interesting little footnote, because building relationships is difficult. Building relationships is hard, and it takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of back and forth. So when Allison and I had started started dating, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was I was at her family's place, and they were just doing their normal thing, you know. But it was it was not good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you know the way they were communicating, mm-hmm. you know. Because it, in, a, in a house where f- you don't have physical abuse, you can yell at each other and it's a little more playful. Right, right. You know, um, in a house, if you grow up as a child that, where that was the norm, where, you know, physical punishment was the norm, yelling means something else. And so I didn't feel comfortable. So I was like, I got to go for a walk. I gotta get out of here. Mm-hmm. But my wife's uh in a her prior long term relationship, that was someone else's that was someone else's way of like flipping the monopoly board over. So like this behavior that I have of like trying to, you know, self care, trying to keep myself, trying to keep everyone safe. Right. So that things aren't said that can't be taken back, so that things aren't damaged or whatever tracked to her as me just like hitting the ejector seat and like, you know what I mean? Power move and yeah. And like right. withholding affection and At, yes. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. if I can't win, no one wins kind of right. sort of thing. You Versus know? like, Hey, coming from a dark place, trying to make sure I don't bring you with me into the light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just got to go. Gonna go move my body. Yeah, I'm gonna go try to release some of this so that when yeah. I'm with you in a moment, I'm the kind person that you're falling in love with. 
Yes, 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 yes. Let's continue falling in love yeah, with each other. Can we go that way, please? Yeah. Yeah, so... And, you know, and I think you're talking about something really important right now is... <clears throat> like, earlier we were talking about being resilient and being fragile mm. and, then, and then, like, even being sensitive or insensitive. Mm -hmm. uh, I think... Really, I think there's an intensity that this stuff brings to your life that I imagine allows you to have the bandwidth for intensity in ways that some of the people struggle to even get close to. Hmm. You know, so, I know that's where it comes from for hmm. me. Like I came from intensity. So somebody can be talking about some really tyrannic stuff and like, mm -hmm, can you say a little more about it? You know, and they're like, <laughs> like, what's this thing here? You know, uh, yeah. like I'm able to stay regulated even if I'm crying with them, mm -hmm. even if I'm like really like impacted by what's happening, I can be like, but, but what's this? Or, yeah. or like, we don't have to do anything right this second because it's so here. Can we just be here for a second? Like there's like quality of tolerance, you know? Yeah, I, I, I do <clears throat> often find myself like the, the things that <clears throat> seem to... The, the, the environments in which Richard <coughs> seems to express himself the most comfortably are often quite intense environments. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and then, like, I also think it's really important to, to validate that it might be difficult at times for people like myself who comes from intense backgrounds and I'm hearing intensity feels comfortable for you in certain circumstances. Not all. Like somebody yelling. Uh, like, Well, there's but, a measure... What a, go ahead. Right. Go ahead, go ahead. That like finding ways to f connect and be comfortable and happy in actually peaceful environments or ones where there's not a threat oh, yeah. of violence. That's hard. Like That's that hard actually, uh, and what I find what it is is like going into the unknown and then opening up and being vulnerable is really what that's always boiled down to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, um, it's really, yeah, that vulnerability one is hard because, and it's, it's such a weird thing because as an artist, I'm constantly making myself vulnerable, right? Uh, some fashions you might be, well, you but, know, but, 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 mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, Sometimes you are, you're, you know, you're making yourself vulnerable in a sense, but, you know, like with All Severed, I made very, very complicated, intense music about my very complicated and intense emotional pain mm -hmm. because, and I did all that, all that work, all that intensity because I couldn't say I'm not okay, and I don't know why. Right. Yeah. Like, that was... So me, you know, spending six months making a re record or doing all those things and writing these insane, intense lyrics and all these crazy time signatures and all this intensity was easier for me to do mm -hmm. than for me to say, I'm not okay. Right. And I don't know why. Right. So, yeah, and and you know, and to me, that's almost like degrees of separation from, like, it's almost easier 
if I were to project myself in your shoes, I think it would be easier for me to have somebody not like my song mm-hmm. than to experience uh, ridicule, rejection, or to be shamed for me mm-hmm. as a person. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Not being okay. And and objectively, everything should be okay. Mm-hmm. But subjectively, I'm not. Yeah, that. And so... And and especially in the in the in the medium of intense metal music and screaming vocals, you're really creating like the the complexity of the music and the nature of the vocals kind of becomes this shell, this armor around the real emotion. Right. It becomes kind of protection, right? Because, and I, I think I think, I think a desire to sort of. I, I think I, you know, ideas about masculinity and things like that figure into this a great deal mm-hmm. because, you know, come see me screaming into a microphone and beating the shit out of my drums and yeah, you might not like my music or whatever, but tell me I'm not a man. Right. Yeah. And and I think that's why I gravitated towards those things and I think that that is why dealing with mental health issues and saying like I'm not okay and I don't know why that second part is really important Mm -hmm. because if you say I'm not okay because my girlfriend just broke up with me because I just this because I just that because I just that like it's people can accept that Mm -hmm. if you say I don't know why Well, man, you don't know. It sounds like you don't know what's going on in your life. Are you even a man? Mm. And that's, I mean, that's obviously bullshit, but that is. To a very large margin, yeah. But that is, I think, a lot of the things that I carried around with me for a long time. Like there needed to be a reason I felt bad. Mm. And, and so. You know, and eventually you just sort of run out of reasons and you're just like, nah, man, like this, this shit's, you know, like you've got fucking problems. You know, I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. Like you can't, you can't just kind of keep moving the goalposts and, right. you know, like, right. Uh, you got brainstorms, silly. <laughs> you just got to deal with it. Right. Uh, well, how about this? Um, I think this is a good place to, to maybe even double back to like some of the the things that we've gone through that you might want to talk about sure together um because i mean what i'm hearing you talk about now was the i'm not okay and i don't know why yeah know? and the reaching out for help and things being intense and things being hard um i really want to validate that like is anybody that listens to this not only you but like that's that's really the norm, I think, when it comes to like really complex things that sometimes we don't know how to grapple with. Like, I think we're all attempting to cope and survive. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a firm believer that our current society doesn't know us how to teach us how to hold a human life. Uh, education system, schools, I don't think that they've done a good job of actually teaching us how to think critically. Mm-hmm. and process and then integrate data 
I don't think the, yeah. I don't think the home systems are really supportive for us to digest and metabolize our emotions like I imagine they once were. Our religion, I don't, I don't see church doing a good job of actually helping us grapple with existential dread and the crisis sure. of 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 the weight of our actions. Mm -hmm. And then I don't see like a lot of our government actually. Like I see so many systems that don't really teach us how to hold our life, but potentially a part of it and not how to integrate that with all the other parts. And so like, I really want to validate there's like the, so easy to try to find a way to survive this life, whether it's devoting ourselves to Christ mm -hmm. or becoming a mathematician or denouncing all constructs. Like just mm -hmm. like the desire to survive our existence and how do we try to make that up? I feel like there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of things that aren't being addressed mm -hmm. about being human. And that is so easy to like, I could totally like project on you right now that a lot of the reason you aren't feeling okay is because there's probably lots of still unmet needs and trauma from your dad's passing that just weren't able to hold you. And then the way that you went to understand reality from that experience that sent you on a path of like there's no real end to it and you don't know that when you start and like, yeah and like because there's a lot there's a lot of things that you could there's a lot of reasons that you could um attribute mm -hmm. my lapses of madness to right. but the thing about pulling on those threads is I don't really know they're never ending. Right. Like, like you said. And so it, it doesn't, it's not, it's not going to be a good. How about this? How mm -hmm. about this? I'm not trying to say that one thing led to all the other I things. Know. It's more of a, it's a stew. Like there's a soup that we're made of. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so the, the way I, another, stroke of luck was the very first doctor, you know, psychiatrist that I talked to. And this was at a county mental health clinic. Mm. And so I lucked out, got a really, really great doctor um, from the jump. And he listened to me tell him all the shit, listened mm. to me for like an hour or so. And he's like, well, um, it's typical for disorders like these to have onset in early adulthood mm -hmm. and it seems you know certain people have predispositions mm -hmm. towards mm -hmm. these mm -hmm. towards these conditions and they are typically brought about by trauma mm -hmm. and it sounds like you've experienced a lot of trauma right right and so you know trauma and stress can kind of become like the switches that turn these things on. The system, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, the isolation and and whatnot of that first semester of grad school and whatnot was just the last. Mm. It was, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back mm. per se, you mm. know. But, but leading up to that was a, this whole, you know, this kaleidoscope of, Make of this mixture of of my of my of my traumas and the event, the the life that I had had mixed with the sort of genetic predispositions that I had. Right, and the same with me with my panic disorder. Like mm -hmm. when I had my panic attacks, it's like it came on in my 
my 20s, my early adulthood. And yeah. it was just like super intense. Um, like that period I spent like eight months having a panic attack every day, oh. almost all day. Oh. And uh, like feeling like the like pins and needles or neuropathy. I was mm -hmm. so anxious all the time that I just had ant burning sensations in my arms and, you know, and it was just anxiety. Um, yeah. You know, and I had to do a similar process of like accepting like this is just my life right now. Right. You know, like I remember at night I'd be laying in bed being like, <sighs> I might die. Okay. I might not wake up tomorrow, but I'm tired. I need to get some sleep. So like literally having the, I need to talk, accept death to go to sleep tonight. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like this, like the level of acceptance. Like I even remember one night I was laying in bed uh, and I was just like terrified. You know, I was having the, the, ant tingling feelings mm -hmm. and it was just uh, n nobody or anything could have m made it go away you know it's how it felt that i was just laying there and i was like can i feel more fear actually <laughs> was like can i can we bring in more right and it was really wild at that, that acceptance like you were talking about that like letting this like this is the storm like here it comes yeah and, and like and being with it like that was like really some of the turning point for me as well of like, I don't have control over this. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I had been struggling my whole life is how much I struggled with not having control and every angle I possibly could to empower myself to have control. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's a tricky thing. And again, it's, it's moderation because <clears throat> trying to have you know, I, I don't know if I, I don't have a nice phrase to wrap around it, but just because you might not have control doesn't mean you don't have any responsibility. Right. You right. know, and, and that, and so I don't, you know, you do have the power to mitigate the damage that these things can do to your life. Right. The system that I have for myself mm -hmm. is no good reason is a good excuse. Like, that's the one that I really try to live by. So what does that mean? Well, like, I can have a good reason I want to, like, punch the bed when I'm upset at my girlfriend. Okay. But that's not a good excuse to let that type of violence out of me. I even see. if it makes sense. Even if it's, like, a, a diminished version of what the trauma that I received or the violence I had when somebody was angry at me. Right. It's yeah. not an excuse to behave that way. It's reasonable. Yeah. It makes sense. It's a good reason. But not right. a great excuse. Yeah, yeah, that 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 makes sense. That makes sense to me, and you know, and I I just I like it, it's really tricky talking about these things, and that's sort of why I wanted to do it in this long form, mm -hmm. because I don't want to on one hand say like this is totally your responsibility, get your shit together, right? Because that's not healthy either. Be yeah, well, and me me thinking about it that way is what put me in the mental hospital. Exactly, it's completely debilitated my life, and you know, I lost everything. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also not fruitful to say like these are just the dice you rolled, and you and you just have to you know this is just you, and you can't oh you feel sad today oh you're bipolar I guess you don't have to you know you can't have a job right. you can't have meaningful relationships you right. can't do these things because you're bipolar, and 
and I don't want to, you know, like you don't want to, you don't want to put really, off the. It's, it's really a, a sliding scale and it's gradient and it's black. It's not black and white. There's no. a lot of gray around this. Yeah, there's, just, there's like days where like I need to accept this and today's not going to be easy and and there might even unfortunately have be some collateral damage from this experience. And right. and and then on the other end of it, it's like I don't want to also attempt to justify and excuse it to the point where I'm not trying to at least have impact on it. Because the, 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 yeah. the thing, when I when I got COVID last year, mm -hmm. I ended up with long COVID and I was really scared and nobody knew what the fuck was going on with it yet. And I was having this conversation with myself, like how do I approach this? Because I know I want control and I don't have it. And the prime example of that is like, I had tons of mucus building up in my chest and I was hydrating, trying to cough it out. But then it would like dry up and then I would have it too dry. And so it was just like all of these just moving symptoms. <clears throat> and I was knowing that if I took a long shower, it would have this impact sometimes, mm -hmm. but it wouldn't do it every time. Yeah. And so like having these systems that never were stolid enough to actually, right. it just kept me in this unknown, anxious state of trying to find solutions. Yeah. And I had to really drop into this like, <sighs> I don't know how long this is going to be and I don't know how bad it's going to be or how okay it's going to be at mm -hmm. any given moment. And I really want control and I have to acknowledge that I don't have it, but I do have marginal impact, at least right now. I like that. I like that. That is a heuristic, you know, like, yeah, I don't have control, but I can still have impact. Mm. That's uh, I think that's really useful. Because like you said, you have a rocket, and the rocket's blasting off, and maybe I can fucking jump yeah. really hard to the left. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, because like, yeah. it, it's going to really change the trajectory because I'm about to go really far in a direction if I'm not careful. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it and it and it also is you know and knowing that okay, today's not going to be a good day, but at least I can get some sun on my face right. like on some days your your win your w for the day is knocking the shit out of that to-do list and getting everything done mm -hmm. you know um you wrote a new song and you did the dishes and you fold you know and you did this and you got everything done and da 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 da, da. and you called your friend you had a great conversation too blah 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 and you worked out and da 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 da, da you know mm -hmm. and sometimes that's what a great day is sometimes Sometimes, sometimes a great day is just I, I got out of bed, and I, uh, and I put on <laughs> I put on outside clothes, mm -hmm. and, I, and I, I walked around a little bit, mm -hmm. and and you and you gotta you gotta accept that that is still <clears throat> that's still a win. Let's go to what I perceive as the wins. Of that night. So if we're going to talk about that night, um, we should probably back up. Okay. And 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 talk about. So you're you're talking about you, you, you the you night. Me. Yeah, the I'm night. I'm talking about the night. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like we need to talk about the onset. Cool. Thank you. Um, like that that makes sense. So be and 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 again, like I don't. I'm I'm open with these things. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've talked about them personally, you know, with several people, but I, I don't know. I, the reason that I want to 
go into the details mm. about this spiral is I just I just want to share what it looked like for me. Mm. And it might look very different for other people, but I just want I don't know. It feels important. It feels worth sort of going into. So um, one second. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, so I had, I graduated college in um, August. Thank you like August of 2007. And I had worked extremely hard while I was in college. I got two degrees, you know, I had a bachelor of science in physics, a bachelor of science in mathematics. I had been playing in bands the whole time. I'd played all over the state. I had done all these things. Mm -hmm. I had worked the whole time, either at, at a pizza place or as tutoring or whatever. And, and I rested for two weeks in between graduating and in between starting a PhD program. Like you do. Yeah. Like you did. Like I did. It was, it was not, not really wise. And, and so the deck was sort of stacked against me because um, the past year I hadn't really been doing much physics. I've been focusing more on the math side of things and the math I was doing was very abstract and not particularly applicable so I started off kind of being, you know, in very, you know, like I was in way over my head mm -hmm. amongst some of the smartest people in the freaking world. Okay. Like they, they took in, like they had 20 new PhD students. Only 10 of them were from the U S I was the only guy from Texas. Like is, it, it was an elite group and I didn't feel like I belonged at all. Mm -hmm. So there's a big source of anxiety there. Um, my band, my long-term band was breaking up. Mm -hmm. um, All Severed was breaking up because uh, Jeremy was going to uh, move to Spain. And so I was losing all of this stability and, and things just sort of started to spiral. I was living by myself. I didn't have my same social support network. I didn't have my same friends, you know? Mm. I was in a new place. And, 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 and things started to unravel. So mm -hmm. I started to sleep less and less and less. Um, and the way that my mind was trying to understand these things, it was in this context of like, of like evil and like Christian imagery and things like this. Mm -hmm. Like I would... I had all the mirrors turned around in my apartment because I mm -hmm. felt like things were in the mirrors. Mm -hmm. You know, I woke up. You know, one time I woke up, like I got, came to, and I was like in the bathtub with like the bathtub like filling up, like, you know, with water and stuff. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And and there was this, that I, would, I was having these sort of like almost blackout moments, mm -hmm. you know? These like disassociative kind of things. And but but there would be periods of, of lucidity, you know? Mm -hmm. And so and it was it was really it was very surreal because 
sometimes when you're in that state, you can be very charismatic and, you know, and sort of, but then I would start to see people react. It was weird watching people's reaction to me. Because at first it was like, oh man, well, it's just you know, oh my, oh yeah, do you know, you know, you know Richard? Oh yeah, he's a that physics guy. Blah 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 blah. Oh yeah, no, he's so he's so funny. He's this. He's da 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 da. Whatever. Um, and, but then as things started to spiral, you would I would start to see how uncomfortable I made people, mm. you know, and it was this very weird like watching, and it just it was just I had this feeling of I'm unwell. Things are just not. Right. And I was having lots of flashes of violence. Um, like I would like, like see someone and then I'd have like a, like violent images pop in my head, mm. you know, of like someone's face getting smashed against bricks and stuff. Mm. Um, and so it was almost as if, because the way that I had pushed myself through college and through all those things, my mm. undergrad, was with basically it was almost like I created like a football coach in my mind. Right. You know, cause I played football in high school. That was the whole, you know, Oh, you have like a strong male authority figure yelling at me to get the, that. That works for me. Mm -hmm. I can, I can push myself and get things done. Right. Yes. Daddy, whatever yeah. you say. Yeah. You got yourself a nice Dom in your head. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, but that just stopped working. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. When I when I was trying to when I was at A and M, it just stopped. That whole process stopped working, <clears throat> and so the way that I had described it to a counselor on campus, because like I had said, like I had alluded to earlier, I I had sort of. You know, like the alarm bells were going off. And so I was trying the best that I could in my fractured state to try to get help. So it wasn't a clean process. It was sloppy, mm. but I did get it. And, but the way that I had described it to that counselor was, I was like, I feel like, I was like, I feel like I'm in the backseat of a car and there's a kid and a dad fighting over the wheel. And I'm the only one that can see the car is about to crash and I can't do anything. Mm. That was the sort of the symbolism mm. that I wrapped around it at the time because it, it, that, that's, that's how it felt. it felt. It felt like something bad is coming. And so I was trying, you know, I was trying to get help and, you know, and, and all these types of things. And then sort of the, the culmination you know, because I would ride my bike a lot and I'd ride my bike at night, you know, mm. and I'd, I'd ridden like several miles away from campus and was coming back and everything was fine. I did this all the time. No big deal. I was like, oh, well, I'll go dink around in the cemetery, you know, and I'm, no big deal. Everything's fine. Blah, 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 blah. Just killing time. Just a weird dude wandering around at night. <laughs> You know, and then I leave and I'm, everything's fine. Everything's cool. And then it was, it's difficult to describe the feeling. It, it felt like, it felt like there was something that was after me and that it was the, 
just pure concentrated evil, whatever that even means, right? So just imagine the most terror, the like, you know, those moments of terror that you feel, mm-hmm. and you're like, <gasps> right? Like mm-hmm. you're like literally really scared. Mm-hmm. But just imagine that for 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. just un, you know. And so it was the most terrified I've ever been in my life. I was panicking and I was p- paddling as fast as I could because this thing was after me, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And then, you know, I'm. it's a miracle I didn't get hit by a car because I was in and out of traffic and all sorts of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a lot of traffic. It was late at night, but still, um, I get close to my apartment. There's a church courtyard. I go into there. I'm like, oh, I'll be safe here. Like my mind was really fixated on like the Christian imagery at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything got worse, you know, being being in this courtyard. Like it, if it was at a 10, it went to it went to a 15. Mm-hmm. And then I try, you know, I try to get home. I wreck my bike, <laughs> you know, I stumble into my apartment and then I wake up like in the morning like with like I'm bleeding you know or I'm not bleeding in the morning but you know I had I had cut myself um that was something I used to do because it would that that sensation of pain would sort of synthesize my two minds if you will mm-hmm. and so but yeah like I woke up and I had covered in dried blood. I had, you know, laying and curled up in the middle of, you know, no clothes on, laying up, curled up in the middle of my apartment, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, took a shower and got dressed and, like, went to my appointment at MHMR, like, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so then, yeah, got, you know, got diagnosed or, or, you know, they were like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're bipolar as fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so got diagnosed, got put on medication and it, and it, it helped, you know, it helped, but it was, it helped turn the volume down on things right? so that I, you know, I wasn't as impulsive. Right. And it, it didn't, it wasn't a miracle. You know, I didn't all of a sudden like start doing really well in my classes and, right. you know, I didn't all of a you know. So but, you stayed in school. Like you started taking the medication and then kept. I stayed. I I I stayed till the end of semester, but I I I left, right. you know, because I I just couldn't do it, right. you know. Um, it wasn't right for me to have that spot. Like someone else could, someone else deserved that spot, you know. And now I got that's no pressure I got from the department. Everyone was very supportive, but it was. I was not going to be able to rebuild myself. Here's the thing. Like, I definitely agree that probably the behavior of how you maintained school and even got to that point wasn't sustainable. And it made more sense for you to not leave. I mean, for you to leave. Yeah. I I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just what I did. Right. Like, it's, I guess, I just, I guess just like being your friend and knowing how stupid smart you are and like hearing you say that, like, 
like that time period, probably yes, that somebody else would have been better in that spot. <clears throat> yeah, I mean it. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. You no, know, it's my, I'm, it's my shit right now. I, I appreciate <clears throat> it because you are. It's another thing that is that is, you are, intensely, defensive, of of, of me being self-deprecating. Yeah, yeah, I and, like it, and I, like I appreciate it. it. Yeah. Um, and so, but it just, I, I just didn't see any way. Which I, I totally support you leaving school. You're, yeah, you're, no, I understand what you're yeah, saying, right. but it, but it's like. I, I understand the, the the what you're the difference you're trying to articulate, mm. you know, and but it was very strange, you know, um, and then you know the first round of medication seemed to work really well, and then I went in for a checkup, and they tweaked it. They didn't really need to tweak it, and then like I started because I, you know, the doctor was like, "Well, your hallucinations," and my hallucinations weren't like I wasn't. I didn't see things that weren't there. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear things that weren't there. I sensed things right. that weren't there. They were sort of, they were almost like emotional <clears throat> hallucinations. It's experiential. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, but it was really, so, but, you know, it was like the doctor was, you know, well, those hallucinations are probably just due to the sleep deprivation. Mm. But just to be safe, we're going to put you on antipsychotic. And then um, when I went in for the follow-up, I was like, yeah, things have been great. feels like the volume's turned down. feels like I can have start trying to figure out how to have my life back and function. Mm. And I said, I noticed I have, I've been having a little bit of more paranoid thoughts, though. They're not debilitating, but I have something. I don't know if those were there before. <laughs> Mm -hmm. They probably were, but like me, like waking up naked, covered in blood, was a bigger issue, right? Than me, like worrying about like paranoid thoughts. Yeah, did I, did I, did I lock, did I, did I lock my apartment? Yeah, you know, and and so the doctor I had, who which, which was different than my initial initial one, was mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we'll we'll up that antipsychotic. Frustrating, right? And so I started to I lose. Mean, I, I get why he did it, and it it was safe. It was safe, but for a person who's very volatile and who's a big part of their identity is attached to their ability to play drums, to lose some fine motor skills. Yeah, that's gonna do some stuff to you. And so for the last all severed show, which was half, which happened during this period, you know, I had to change drum parts. There were parts that I sang and played at the same time that I couldn't, all of a sudden I couldn't sing and play at the same time. And I didn't know why. It wasn't until months and months and months and months later that some other doctor like sort of was like, well, wait a minute. If you have too much of that, it messes with fine. Did you lose any of your fine motors? You know what I mean? Yes. I was like, yeah, yeah fact, I fucking I did. did. Yeah. I had to like change drum parts to play, you know, like I lost any, I lost like the 90%. Mm. of my ability like i lost that top 10 percent, mm. and so um but yeah man and rehearsals were weird you know like there was one time we were practicing and i just stopped like i just put my sticks down and i just laid down behind my drum kit mm. and bless those guys like they didn't know what to fucking say about it they're just like well we'll just hang out here until he's ready <laughs> you know <laughs> let's you know and i think that <laughs> i think that's just a prime example of like specifically dudes around mental health 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I, I have a story of a, somebody, another dude that I know that was like <laughs> crying, talking about wanting to kill himself. And the guy's like, no, 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 you're okay. Here's another beer. Right. Like, like there's just like, I, uh, yeah, man, we all have it. Yeah. Here's, here's a beer. Like there's this, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing. I, I saw someone talking about like masculinity and, and, and sort of like, where we'll default to the two things that we can do, which is be angry or be indifferent. And so yeah. that that kind of that kind of tracks as like someone's either gonna pretend that it's not happening or yeah, someone's yeah. gonna yell at you for it's happening. Yeah. Like, get up, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Fucking play your drums. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. You know, or like do to do. Let's just pretend that our drummer is not just sleeping underneath his drum kit in the middle of rehearsal right now for right. no reason. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, so it was really, I mean, and more than anything, the whole thing was just so traumatic because I had done everything right. I had gotten the degrees I had because, you know, I didn't want to go to grad school. Like I had done all the things to get admitted. And then I had like an epiphany at some point. I was like, I just want to come home and do music. Like I just, mm -hmm. it's time. Like I, I did what my, I did what everyone wanted. I got the degrees. I have those, but let me just do music now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't follow through on that decision because I was too, I was too, intoxicated by how much i think how much approval i got right. by being like phd physics guy it was all this societal he's wicked smart yeah, yeah like yeah. it was all this sort of societal approval you know like this whole mm -hmm. like you know everyone was proud of me and 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 i you know and i wanted i didn't want to disappoint anyone right and and so so yeah so it didn't work out. So so yeah, the the long short of it, back from the break. Um, you know, yeah. So early in adulthood, life changed, blah, blah, blah. That was when it onset and then all that crumbled. Mm -hmm. You know, all that path I was on crumbled. Um, and going from that, you know, I lost a lot of face is a you know it was very embarrassing because you know i had done projects with nasa and all sorts of stuff while i was in college like i'm like my my face was in the papers and stuff at home and stuff like that and then i go back you know and then i like drop out i've gained a bunch of weight and i and i move back in with my mom mm -hmm. and then pull every string that i can to get a job as a substitute teacher at Dayton High School, mm -hmm. you know, and it just felt like a total, you know, it, it was, it was a, it was a very quick ride from the top to the bottom, mm -hmm. you know, and so, but I was going to all of the weekly you know, I was going to my checkups and I was on my meds and all sorts of stuff. I started working at the high school and whatnot. And um, it was fine. Uh, but then, um, but I, I stopped going. I was afraid to, I didn't want to ask off for work because I didn't want people to know that I had 
I didn't want to, I didn't want to say, Hey, um, I need Friday off because I need to go, uh, to my mental health appointment because I have bipolar disorder. I needed to get my meds refilled. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't. And I did the thing that everyone does because it'd been like four months or something <clears throat> and I had been fine. And then spring break came up and I had, uh, I made all these plans. You know, I'm going to go here on this day. I'm going to go visit this person in this city and I'm going to go to this place and make some music with somebody. And I'm going to go this and go this mm-hmm. and that. Mm-hmm. And, but I had run out of my medication and each day was progressively worse. Mm-hmm. And I was progressively more awkward and weird and detached and. Mm-hmm. And then um, that sort of culminated in in our in our night together, mm-hmm. and you know, and it was it wasn't just that night. There was like the day before, or like two days before, even that there was like there was a lapse from the night and the when I first knew something was up. Mm. So like my side of it was, I got a phone call from you, and you were just like, "Yeah, I'm not okay." Mm. And I came over. And then that's when I was like, oh, wow, this is really, like, this is not okay. And I knew that it was out of my depth to, to deal with it to the quality that I wanted to, you know. I think your your mom wasn't home. My mom was out of town. Yeah, and I knew she was coming back the very next day. That's what it was. Right. And I knew that she was coming back around 7. So that was what my plan was, was like I had the assumption that she would know your medicine right. and your doctor and like. Right. So, yeah, a little <laughs> bit about that. Yeah. So there were, there were two nights, we'll say, right? So mm. for sake of argument, we'll say Friday. We'll say Friday. Whatever day. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Feels right. Um, yeah. So and, you at this point and, you were having each day kind of deteriorate. Yeah, right, deteriorate. And then and but things were kind of okay, but then I got back home and I was alone. Mm-hmm. And things were not okay. And um things were very 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 much not okay. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason I decided to call you. Mm-hmm. And I there was something, uh, the way that you said it at the time was there was like something, you were like, oh, because I might have said like, oh, I have something wrapped around my head and I'm doing this or something, something, mm-hmm. something. And you're like, oh, Richard's being silly. Well, I remember being like, oh, we're on an adventure. Like, I just remembered like, we are we are somewhere else right now. And this was kind of the, the life that I had have had up to that point was around people who used a large amount of drugs and, I see. and like I've been around mental dis- uh, mm-hmm. like stuff and and so there was a quality of like oh here's where we are today right. like like yeah all right Richard's Richard's not here yeah and and so you came out to the house and you know you know did your best to sort of find uh it because it's really strange because i i have like visual memories of you of of the events that happened while you were there and this mm-hmm. was in 2008 yeah i remember um, pretty vividly too and so 
but it's I wasn't in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. you know. But mm-hmm. I I remember seeing you know like I and and I I remember I was sitting at the piano or something mm-hmm. like and I was probably making some real dissonant weird shit. Here's my curiosity: How open are you telling me me telling what I remember? Like, say that again. How open are you? To, to Absolutely all open. Of it? Please, so here's you, what I remember. All of it. You Dude, can, this is what I remember. Ev- all of it. Like you, you, you pretty much called me and you're like, not okay. And I'm like, cool, I'm coming over. Because that was a relationship we had established at that point. Um, mind you, we hadn't even really talked that much at that point. Like I think well, I was off doing my own thing and you were doing your own. Uh, like not saying that we didn't talk occasionally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, we had the established relationship. And- yeah, I, yeah, we weren't, we weren't like hanging out every weekend. Right. We hadn't talked in in several months yeah you know maybe six months so you weren't okay and i show up and by the way when i and what i mean by show up is i show up to the doors duct taped with into like a spider web oh i forgot about this and you're wearing a cowboy hat with a water filter duct taped to the top of it and you've got the fridge duct tape closed Okay. And like, there's like, there's like things like this around, and you've torn the standing up piano open, and mm. the strings were bare, and and I'm coming, and we're talking, and and you're using like really frayed, like sp- speech. You mm. were saying things like, like one of the things we did when we when I got there, you're like, me want coke, oh, is what boy. you said, and I was like, okay, and I like go to open the fridge, and you're like, hostily, we're like, don't open the fridge. And I was like, okay, cool, we won't. Like, I, I could, and that was like one of my first indicators. Like, okay, there's potential for intensity to get even wilder right now. Like, I'm aware that I am dealing with a kind, soft Richard right now that might not stay. Like, my yeah. nervous system was popping off like that. And yeah. so you're like, I want Coke. So you go across the room and start throwing ice to try to make it land in a cup. Hmm. And so I pick up the cup and I catch the ice mm-hmm. as you throw it. This feels. <clears throat> And then you like pour the Coke and then you drink it and you're happy. And, uh, and then like at this point we kind of, I'm like, so what's going on, man? I'm like trying to, uh, and I'm like, do you have any medication? What's going on? Where is it at? Like, uh, who's talking to you? Who's around? Where, like, I'm getting the, the information, like your mom's out of town. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. dating someone at this point, And I'm like wondering if you're talking to them and, <clears throat> I'm wondering if you're, you're like, I don't have any more medication. I'm like, okay. He doesn't have any more medication. Cool. And then at this point where my insides are like, how do I tie him back to reality so that I'm a bit safer? Yeah. Like I'm really like, like, like what I, the thought that I had was like, how do hostages get out of like being in danger? They start talking about their family. Right. Like I literally had that thought. And to give just a little bit of context here, so there had been a period where you, so this was all happening in my mother's house. Mm -hmm. There had been a period where you had stayed there Mm -hmm. like a a few years prior. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't uncommon during this period. Like I remember once where we were wrestling in the rain Mm -hmm. and things like this. Like we had a, we had a, it wasn't unprecedented for us to be playfully violent. Right. And so just to, add a little bit of the context to the situation of is very possible that a little bit of playful violence 
that you had a very tangible fear that some that that, that, that this, Richard was, this this wasn't going to be playful. Yeah, yeah, that Richard might that something might instigate under the pretense of some playful violence and then turn escalate. Yeah, yes, because it was really the first time that I saw it when I went to open the fridge and I saw your eyes. Yeah, you made a look that this is not okay, and I'm willing to make this not happen. Like I I, I remember viscerally feeling that. I'm like, yeah. okay, cool, cool. And then I went into soft, like present, like asking questions. And I'm like talking about my daughter mm. mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like talking about those photos that we're probably about to have, you know, like, yeah, I think there's Easter photos for some reason is what I'm thinking, but it might okay. not have been Easter. I don't know. Like I remember talking about my daughter and trying to bring her into our reality. Sure. I was like trying to tether in these other things. Mind you, we get this point where we both sit down in front of the piano and we're both, not just you, but me, are striking the strings of mm-hmm. this piano with drumsticks. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it sounds like a horror movie, like, bum, 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 bum. And I'm just like, ah. Like, like, and, and, and while this is happening, you, like, with all of Richard, Richard force, whip a drumstick across the room. Mm. And that was when I was just like, oh, my God. God, this is so intense. I'm like belly breathing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I need to get out of here because I have no control of your situation, and I know you well enough to know that if you decided to be physical with me, I wasn't gonna win that altercation without killing you and me still maybe not making it out of that. Like that was like, I'm going to bite your throat kind of situation, Mm -hmm. you know, like it. And I was so utterly aware of that because of our wrestling together and because of knowing like linebacker, football, drummer of a metal band, jujitsu guy. Like I hadn't done any jujitsu. You hadn't done jujitsu at that point, but still like I remember wrestling with you one time and you like e-honda'd me from like Street (laughs) Fighter where like I just was on the ground and you just stiff armed and that was all it took. And like, Mm. you know, so like. I was very aware of the intensity that could be there at any moment. And so from that moment, you got a phone call. It was your girlfriend. Mm. And I picked up the phone because you like weren't going to answer it. And I was like, hello? And this was like how I got out of the house. I was like, hey, he's not doing too great. Could you talk to him? And you get on the phone. You're like, and then I was like, hey, man, I need to go while you were on the phone with her. Like I used it as this like way out. I have a very vivid memory. Now, I mean, this shit happened a long time ago. This was like 13 years ago mm-hmm. at this point. So maybe there's a little bit of... So I I have a memory of you bolting for the door. Do you remember that? I remember going pretty quickly. I don't remember bolting, but I remember being like, I'm going. Like, I'll see you later. And like, e- e- yeah. I beelined. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and in my state, you know... um. I I was not happy about that. I could I I, I, I I'm gonna let you know as much as I love you. I don't think I care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Like I don't think I could have cared with how much I was needing to like really take care of myself. I I understand. I'm not I'm not mad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do remember having these feelings of of like anger and like abandonment. And all these types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, yeah. And then, like, I was totally unresponsive on the phone with my girlfriend at the time, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but, like, I think I called, yeah, I I called an ex of mine who, like, never answered the phone. I called them and this one time they answered mm-hmm. and it was the one time I really needed them to be there and they were. Mm-hmm. And so that's probably why, cause I was on a, that, that night was one of the most impulsive nights. And so sort of talking about like the, you know, the things that I was talking about earlier is that getting, being up, being in a manic state, and being in a negative, angry headspace and being impulsive. Mm-hmm. It's just a bad, yeah. it's just a bad recipe. Like I, I, I feel like that was one of the nights that sort of like suicide was high on the menu, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and then, um, but I don't know, worked out. I went yeah. to sleep and I woke up and this was what was so frustrating during this time period is that I would have these things and I'd wake up in the morning. I'd be like, oh, okay, well, that was a little weird, but I'm fine now. Hmm. And I would think that everything was okay. Right. And so then the next day, we'll say this is Saturday. After seven. But I want to tell you what was going on for me in between. Mm. Like, I don't know how much I've told you all of this, but... Like, I left and had a real fear that you might come to my house. Oh, shit. And maybe even hurt me. I I don't even know if I knew how to get to your house. It didn't matter. <laughs> You're like, he's smart. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't even that. It was just like a, a real, like, like, that's how much that impacted me, that there mm-hmm. was a part of me that was like, well, what if he decides to come get me? Like, uh-huh. uh, like... Because I really want to name that to name like how much I I rallied to come to you Saturday uh, the next sure. night, like that was what was in my nervous system. Yeah, was like I'm aware of how bad that was so much so that I'm paranoid and fantasizing about you hurting me. Right. Uh, like that whole night into the next day, and <clears throat> and so seven o'clock rolls around for me, but. But before that, what what was going on for before right. for you? Right. So so I, I don't I don't remember anything about the day. I remember the day being you know while the sun was up. I remember being a very uneventful. Mm. You know, like I just woke up. I was like, oh man, it's a weird night. Mm. And I like just sort of, you know, like I talked to my girlfriend. I was like, oh yeah, sorry, it's a weird night. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just tell her, oh, I'll do that sometimes. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or some some shit or whatever. Like mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I just did normal shit, you mm-hmm. know, and then, you know, the sun went down and this was the strangest thing. It's the strangest thing. My mom got home mm-hmm. and I became utterly terrified mm-hmm. and I cowered and so, um, my bedroom was the furthest bedroom into the house. Mm-hmm. I curled up in the corner, mm-hmm. terrified. Yeah. 
and and she came into the room like I was like trying to hide from her or something, mm-hmm. you know, and like she came into the room. I was on the phone with her, by the way. Okay, great. And and I remember her like seeing me like that and sort of being like, oh shit, you know, or something like that, mm-hmm. and like walking out of the room. And so, uh, but yeah, so we'll kick it kick it over to your perspective. So at this point, I had like waited and called and called and like like trying to to get in contact with her at seven. Because that's where, or like, at, for some reason, seven o'clock is what I remember. And I'm trying to, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know, bless her, because there was that period where you and I had the stuff where she was upset with me from the aftermath of that. Yeah. 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 And you and I had rectified that, but moms mm-hmm. are moms, and she didn't have to forgive. You know. That's that's true. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, and so. Um, we can go into that too, but I don't feel like it's necessary. It's not really relevant. I think, I think it's, it's an, it's enough to say like you and I were really close and then there was a hurt, there was a rift and my mom, surprise, surprise, took my side. Yeah. Yeah. And, and was like, what is Deeply entrenched on that camp. Right. And, but then, (laughs) but then what she didn't really know was that in the meantime, like you and I had worked everything out and Mm. had back to best of best friends or right. whatever. Right. So. And so, um, <laughs> what, what? Yeah. And she's like, what do you want? Like to, to me, you know, like, I don't want to fucking talk to this guy. <laughs> what do you want, Zach? Yeah. Very much that. And I'm like, Richard's not okay. He's not been okay. He's not on his meds. We need to get him help. And that's when she's like going to check on you. And it's mm-hmm. like, Oh shit. You know? <laughs> and so, oh, shit. you know, and, and then, <laughs> but she's like worried. You know, and yeah. She's uh, uh, so. What do you remember past that? <clears throat> so I remember her walking out. You know, and then I think she might have come back one more time, and then and then walked out again, or maybe not. Mm. But but the next thing I did was I was like, well, I have to get away, and so I opened up my window and I grabbed like the closest thing to me which happened to be this uh boken that a friend of mine had given me and i fucking hop out my fucking window and the across the street neighbors had moved mm-hmm. and so there's no one at their house mm-hmm. and so i went and i and i hid i hid <clears throat> behind i hid behind their house mm-hmm. i crouched down and i was fucking watching Mm-hmm. To see what was going on, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing um, seeing you pull up, mm-hmm. seeing my cousins. I, I don't think your cousins were there. They were. Were they? Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, my uncle, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember seeing them look around with flashlights, mm-hmm. you know, looking around the yard for me. Because I thought it was like your aunt and uncle, but okay, it's cousins. I, one of my cousins was there. Okay, one of one of them was there. So, and I remember sort of seeing like trucks leave like pulling the driveway and then leave and then Mm -hmm. like sort of go up and down the Mm -hmm. other roads and Mm -hmm. so then i got it stuck in my head that it's like all right well i can't escape Mm -hmm. you know Mm because i guess that's what my plan was like i was gonna like go to the road and then just fucking go wherever i don't know what i was thinking Mm -hmm. but i remember having that feeling of okay well i can't escape well, I, I mean, the only obvious thing I can do is I, I have to charge. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And so this is where it jumps into like my memory of things because <clears throat> I I call, I tell your mom I'm on my way, I get there. Uh, we're standing on the back porch talking, looking for you. People are trying to call your cell phone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I go out into the driveway to kind of get away from everyone. And I'm standing in the driveway and I'm trying to call you. And so all the light that there is is just the light of my cell phone from the glow of the buttons. And then I'm like trying to call you like, come on, man, pick up the phone, man. I'm worried about you. Uh, or whatever the fuck it was I'm saying. And then you hear like crunch, crunch. Thank God you weren't in the grass. Like that's all I have to say is I heard you coming through the gravel. You were fucking running at me and I could hear the crunch of like the gravel of the driveway, I think. Because I was like, hmm. Richard? I'm pretty sure that I was, you might've heard the leaves or something. Maybe. Yeah. Because I heard, I heard a, a ruckus. Well, well a I wasn't, I wasn't trying to move quietly. I was trying to move fast yes. and with intensity but the and, and so like yeah how i remember this event yes is i'm like i remember being like richard and i'm backing up facing the direction of the noise and i'm like richard and then as i turn around because like i hit the like i need to run like i like like no it's time to run uh i like thank god i turned around when i did because i almost backed up into my car Mm. And would have been pinned between you and the car. Mm. Like I was on the driveway because I like had to sidestep. And at this point, what like for any of your family members who ever listened to this, I'm sorry I did this, but my intentions were like, if he's gonna hurt people, I'm gonna kind of kite him past them. <laughs> uh huh. I ran to where the other people were and past them, and. You're fucking hot on my tail. Like, you're right on top of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fast. You are fast. <laughs> and so, like, <clears throat> I'm hauling ass. And I know that I need to create a space between the two of us, and I don't know how to do that, and I want to do it while there's light. So I literally remember jumping spread eagle, full, like, arms and legs out in the air, and there's a four-by-four four post mm. Mm-hmm. That was on your back porch. I grab that and fly around over the top of trash cans. Okay. Yeah. And land on the other side. This is like some acrobatic, like I'm in the air humming around this pole over these trash cans. I land on the other side of the trash can. I grab the yeah. trash can and I put it up in between the two of us. I'm like, Richard, you're freaking me out, man. Like, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like what I'm saying to you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was like a, there was a, like a, a pathway, like a almost like a little small walkway, like an elevated, like little deck between mm-hmm. the driveway and the back porch. Right. And so, which was probably about like 15 yards apart. So mm-hmm. I think you ran down that walkway and then jumped over the trash cans. Well, there. I didn't stay at the walkway. I went actually a little wider because how oh, okay. fast I was oh, clipping sure, it. Yeah. I was like yeah, a little yeah. further out and I cut in and then mm-hmm. I like went through the air over the trash cans. Right. I remember and, something about you jumping over trash cans or onto or past or whatever. Yeah. And then. And this is where you crouch like a ninja. Yeah. With the boken behind you. <sighs> like you're. So you're, cringy. You're like poised to, you're like a, a spring loaded, ready to go, and you're crouched and you have this boken. Yeah. And this is where I like, remember this. And this is where things start to shift. Um, me, I'm being me. I'm still Zach as fuck at you. I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing, man? You're tripping me the fuck out. Like, Richard, what are you doing? And I'm like, talking to you like, like Zach wow. would to Richard. Right. While your mom's going, 
Richard, it's your mommy. You don't yeah, want to hurt. Yeah, she's she like would, baby talking. Well, to you. what I remember, what I remember, yeah, I, I remember her like it's okay, like her trying to say like it's okay, son, it's okay, son. But she was in a very like leaning over posture, like 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 come here, boy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. And then you got really terrified that 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 was going to track wrong to me. I, I was, and and I I have a very distinct remember of like that's your mom. Richard, that's your mom. Yeah, yeah. Richard, Richard, that's your mom. Yeah. Like, I was really <laughs> intently wanting you to understand that that's your mom. And uh, yeah, and it, and, you know, and it, it's so crazy because so much for me hmm. at this time, and I, I can look back on it and I can say it, I, I can like just connect the dots on it. Man, so much of it was about control. And I was not going to let anyone have control of the situation except for me. Mm. And you fucking had it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I, I, and I, I like laugh about it now only because like really, really how I, it was one of those moments where I felt like I was really standing in the fire of what I believe in. Mm. Mm -hmm. And and like having no doubts to where I was standing. Yeah. Cause I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't going to let anyone else. Like if I was going to put that down and if I was going to calm down, it was going to be my decision. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's reasons why I'm grateful that it wasn't that 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 police weren't there mm -hmm. um or that maybe some maybe maybe some of my other friends you know weren't there that maybe wouldn't have that maybe i wouldn't have felt as safe around mm -hmm. you know or maybe they would have maybe they would have tried to like take control mm -hmm. and 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 i wasn't i, I would have died before I let anyone have control of the situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, but I, there's no doubt that if that was happening and I didn't live in fucking Dayton, mm -hmm. Texas, and I live in the middle of the city or something like that, like I probably would have been shot. Right. Like if, if cops were been involved, I probably would have been shot. Right. And they probably, they might have been justified doing it. Um, that's not really what I mean. You're not that's, giving violence, a, a green, green light for violence from cops and mental health. Crisis. Yeah, no, that's not yeah. what I'm saying. Like what I'm, what I'm saying is that given the, whatever, I don't, they wouldn't have been justified. But what I'm saying is like, they would have been scared. Yes. <laughs> like. You yeah. know, and if and if being scared is all cops need to shoot people, then they would have had that. Um, there was a, a really high tension of the potential of violence. Yeah, and which was something that was very pervasive with me. You know, mm -hmm. it still is. It's still. It's still. I, I got that thing. You mm -hmm. know, and it. You could track it back to childhood stuff. You know, I didn't. I didn't endure 
I, I think that the amount of punishment that I or discipline I had or whatever you want to call it was pretty normal for people who grew up where I did and how I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was, you know, <laughs> like before my dad died, like two years before he died, there was a moment where he was having a fight with my mom and he said, well, and I mean, cause he had, he had a lot of trauma. Mm. He had a lot of childhood trauma and it's, it's unimaginable. Like it's bewildering how unloved he felt, but he, he had a lot of problems. Um, and he, you know, they're fighting. He's like, well, fuck it. I'll just kill myself. Mm-hmm. I'm four. Mm-hmm. I'm like four. Four and a half or something. A year older than than my little dude in there. You know, year and a half maybe. I can't believe I remember this. But he, uh, but yeah, anyway, so he went in his bedroom and got a gun. Went and stood out in the front yard, pointed a gun in his bed. You know, I'm, I see this. Mm-hmm. as a child and you know I'm screaming you know please dad don't please dad don't please dad don't stuff like that so I think that 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 puts your that puts your gauge of and your, maybe your tolerance of violence it, it kind of it spins that needle Mm-hmm. When you see some something like that, you know, yeah, he put it down. He came inside, you know, and whatnot. But, um, just as an example, you know, yeah. And so, but vi- violence is was always a a, a a thing that always seems so just at the tip of this, right there in the air in these situations for me, you know. Mm. And um, so, but at one, so what I remember is I remember at some point I just stood up yeah, and I walked inside. Like I walked past, I walked past my mom and my uncle, like they were air. Mm. And then I dropped the boken. Mm. My uncle grabbed it and hit it. Mm. And then I went like, it's just sat down on my bed. Mm. Some shit like that. So yeah, um, before I tell like what I remember of that, how are you right now in this moment? I'm good. Are you? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm in the pocket. I'm fine. Okay, <laughs> I can. I, I know you can do this. That's why we're, I'm even willing to do it. And I just saw that when you were talking about your father and that experience, and then saying that violence is at the tip. I saw it look like you touching something. I mean, it, it it's always there, right. <laughs> you know. I'm always angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah, yeah, like it. Um, so, yeah, no, man, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, you matter to me more than this podcast ever will. So, just checking in on you. Word. So yeah, um, you stand up, drop the boken, family member grabs it, 
hides it behind the washer and dryer. That's what I have thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he just dropped it right there. I'm like, sure. That's <laughs> I'll never find it there. Yeah, right. Whatever. You know, like, and in my mind, it's like, there's, he's walking past knives right now. Like, whatever. Like, there's like a, there's uh, war. Like, like, whatever. Like, yeah. you hid one of the many implements of Richard's, <laughs> like, Rolodex of mass murder of objects. You know, like, like there's a, <clears throat> Like, I'm aware of this. And then like, your mom kind of follows you into your bedroom and finds out that there's a little bit more of your meds and just kind of gives them to you. Mm-hmm. And then, like, gives you double of your, like, anti-psych medication, too, mm-hmm. I think. So, like, you are you are medicated now, and everybody's kind of like, cool. Hopefully this, like, sets in and there's some, like, reprieve. <clears throat> At this point, you don't want anyone else in your room but me. Oh, and you want the door closed. Oh boy. <laughs> How <laughs> And so me Such being Such a me, fucked up power move, Richard. And Jesus. So, and me being me, I'm like, sure, I'm here for my boy. And I like sit down by your bedroom door with the door closed and you're sitting on your bed with the TV stand. Yeah. With a water bottle on top of it. <clears throat> and we're sitting there silently. And you slap the fuck out of this water bottle. Just like just like powerfully onto the ground <clears throat> and you like do this like mouth lick and you're like almost do that at your head and, like, <laughs> and i'm just like i'm like okay cool thanks for not doing that you know and, like we're sitting there and sitting there and like in my head's playing like even if he went for me i couldn't get this door open in time like i'm so fucking aware and mind you like when you went out of your bedroom window you didn't tell the the, the, the people listening that you put on all black Oh, did I? Yes. Oh, boy. You put yourself in all black with a black boken into the night. Oh, and this boy. is like out in the country, no kind of street light, really like like black night kind of thing. <laughs> like you were, there's a there's an angry ninja out there, uh, you know? And so like I'm sitting, that's just kind of like some backstory, a bit of other details. So I'm sitting in this bedroom with you. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, okay. This is this is what I'm choosing to do. I'm so aware. I'm so aware of like what line I'm writing and how much trust I'm putting into you. Right. Knowing that that's not the a full safe bet. And so like back to earlier when I said like I really want to call out the winds of mm. what you did. Because that night, the night before, you did call me for help. Right. And that night, you did stand up and walk into the house and consent to taking the medication. That night, even if you can say that that was a power move on your part to scare me by slapping the water bottle, you still chose to do that instead of throwing it at my head. Like all the impulses that were alive in you, all of the fear that was moving around. Like this is, these are like those moments are like what get people out of those situations and why I'm not going to have blind faith in you if something like that were to happen and I were to show up for you, but that I have at least some faith in the the Richard that doesn't want to hurt people. Because, like, after that, the medicine started to kick in. 
and then I just remember staying up all night. Like we went to the other bedroom and, and like I put on like Animal Planet or like the mm. Blue Ocean, whatever, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that I could watch something that was soothing while you slept on the couch behind me. Like every time you moved, I would like <laughs> flinch like, oh my God. And then finally you were asleep to the point where like the sun was coming up and I went and laid on the couch and like tried to get a little bit of sleep. And like every time somebody would move, I'd like wake up, but you come out eventually and you're like, hey man, uh, you want some blueberry pancakes? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And I remember standing in the kitchen, he's like, I don't think you realize how close y'all were last night. And I was like, I... I don't think they do. And just like we kind of had that somber moment of like us both really being aware of how close all of us were to some really like intense violence. And yeah, and that that was just that's what is so surreal about that period is that there was this strange awareness. When the sun would come up, I would have an awareness and I would be very lucid. Mm. But I, because I, I think that my mom had tried to call and they were like, someone needs to stay there with you. You know, I think that was why you stayed. Mm. One of the reasons you stayed or something like that. And I maybe had insisted that it was you, <laughs> some shit. Um, I think at that point I was just like was in it for the long haul to be there for you and your mom and so but yeah and I remember the pancakes bit so ridiculous (laughs) Um, it's one of my like most endearing bits for me though yeah it's it's so strange to hear these because it feels like a character you know, that like, mm-hmm. that, that was like wearing my skin or something. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, like I know the stories because we've told them, but, you know, and, and I, I want to say that there was an, I think that you left like sometime in the early morning at some point, And I think it seemed like I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then something, something else happened. It wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. but something else happens and I have a vague memory of taking a pen and smashing it on like the TV tray or something and then sort of smearing it on the walls smearing mm-hmm. the ink and I drew like this weird like demonic face or something mm-hmm. it was a power move it was so it was some I think what set me off was... <clears throat> Like, it was something like I asked my mom not to do something, and mm-hmm. then she did it. It was probably a very reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I think it was? I think it was I asked her not to tell my grandmother or mm. some shit like that. Right. It was something like that. Right. You know? But the thing was, if it was that, is that my grandmother was my mother's main support system during all this. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. my grandmother became my mother's rock while my mom was dealing with the pain and uncertainty of all these months of what was going on with me. And so given, so yeah, that would have been Sunday. And so then the next day we went to the clinic. 
uh, there in Liberty. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not. I'm not okay. Right. I'm not. And and the the woman there was like, you know, I um, like, you know, you can go, like, we can send you somewhere to help you get better. You just have to say that you don't feel safe. And I was like, I don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. You know, I was very... Because the thing was is that I had had... The main difference is that everything that had happened to me Mm -hmm. four or five months prior or whatever, and then even things that had happened years prior, Mm -hmm. when reality would get a little slippery for me, Mm -hmm. it always happened when I was by myself. Right. I always was able to control it. And it had never been so intense that it, you know, got off the leash in front of other people. Right. And so that really, really scared me. So I was like, yeah. Take me. Right. You know. Mm. Take me. Take me to the place. Right. You know, um, and so I sat there because the way it worked is that uh, you technically get arrested um, so they can transport you. So because it's a police officer that transports you mm-hmm. to the mental hospital and whatnot. So I sat there in Liberty on the steps outside of, you know, the clinic. Mm-hmm. For several, several, several hours, and then they, and then they show up. Mm-hmm. Get in, get in the van. Me and two other people. Mm-hmm. You know, one guy had like I think OD'd on something. Another guy was a suicide attempt in a hospital, mm-hmm. but because he had been in a car accident, because he was uh, he had stolen a car, mm-hmm. and then he was like, oh, I can if I attempt suicide, then I don't go to prison. Mm-hmm. And so they took us to a, a place in Kingwood, and then we were there for a few days. And then I was up at Rusk. They took me to Rusk, and I was there for like three weeks mm-hmm. or something like that. And so that's that shit was surreal. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, mental hospital is weird. <laughs> mm. That's probably that might be a story for another time. Right. You know, but what's really striking me right now is what sounds like the the honesty again. Like that that scared you and there was a um Oh yeah. Like uh, there's a, a quality of like putting your pride down. It, and like humbling yourself and like, yeah, I'm not okay. I'm scared. Like, I don't feel safe and, and not getting the help that I imagine. Whenever I think about it in a twisted way, like an egotistical twisted way, I I sort of look back on that and wonder, you know, I was like, you did that on purpose. You needed to push it that far so that you knew you were really sick. 
so mm. that you knew you really you were really bipolar and you weren't being just dramatic. Mm. Um, I don't I don't think that that's accurate. That's mm. a thing I've thought. Um, I think that I think that you know I was in a bad situation. I made bad decisions, mm. and um. I think I think though I think one of the big reasons that I made it out is because I didn't also have a substance abuse problem. Mm-hmm. Because a lot when I was there in the mental hospital, that a lots lots of people also had they had everything that I had and the substance and abuse. substance abuse right and, and they have to kick that on top of yeah right and. And know, or they had like more vol. They didn't have a stable home, you know. They didn't have the support system that I had, you know. Mm-hmm. They didn't have, you know, college degrees. They didn't, you know. I, you know, there's, there was a lot. You don't have to turn too many you don't have to twist too many variables for it to have been a lot harder for me to have gotten out of that. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I mean you read stories all the time. It really makes me like, you know, you read stories all the time. You read stories all the time today about kids, you know? Like African American black kids who, you know, are not like <laughs> they maybe have a breakdown and they end up killed mm. you know and and that i am i'm aware of that mm. because when i hear those stories those the details of those <laughs> stories rhyme with the details of the nights we've just described mm. you know and people begging and pleading you know like he's sick Mm. he needs help he needs help and and they don't get to do this right 13 years later right you know because they they tracked as being dangerous right and things like that and so I'm that aspect is not lost on me right um, you know, uh, I think you're talking about something I think is really important, you know, like in, in my line of work, it's really one of my biggest things I have to examine is like, is this person even in the environment where they can start to unpack the things that they need to, to look at this, to start the healing process, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you're really hitting the nail on the head that having places that are stable and safe like how how much fighting for survival gets in the way of the trauma of surviving and how that can impact our minds and our health and how how we function mm-hmm. and um once again really glad that your mom was there for you yeah. And really glad that that of some of the decisions you made, um, the intensity of the directions you went in, 
happen to be more cathartic or expressive or engaging in ways that either making music or pursuing yeah. math and physics like yeah it you know and I, I don't you know another thing that I just I just really want to I want to make sure I'm being clear with this point so um, I'm not going to go into all the details of the experience in the mental hospital I was there I think like three three weeks and some change it's very strange. It's very surreal. Um, there's a book by Philip K. Dick called Vallis, where it's sort of a semi-autobiographical, and he talks about being committed and having all sorts of hallucinations and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, the way that he writes about being institutionalized feels the way that it felt. Um, but just to sort of drive this point home about privilege um so there's a moment where because you know they were always taking us around somewhere every day all right like we'd go to because you know like right like get dressed get some sun on your face you know one of the big things there is routine right mm. you get up at the same time every day uh which is, by the way, pro tip, you're having mental health issues, find a time that it makes sense for you that you can get enough sleep and get up at that time every day. Um, it will help regulate your system maybe better than anything else. Um, you could even maybe, sometimes bipolar disorder just feels like a hypersensitivity to your circadian rhythms. <laughs> Um, so, but anyway, so they're always like sort of, oh, you know, taking, taking us all over the place over there and you pull up cause it's next to a prison and they're like, all right, so don't run. <laughs> cause if you run, they're going to think you're a prisoner. They're going to shoot you. <laughs> Woo. Uh, so there's so many, there's so many things like that. So many just like, uh, <laughs> That that's so surreal itself, and then it also speaks volumes about how we, how those things can be so close together, and yeah, and it's like, <clears throat> of course, of course, those things belong together, you know, and um, you know, and there were different wings, and there was like a, I was in the short term wing, you know, um, Angelina, I think was what it was called, and you didn't want to get moved to Cyprus because Cyprus was the long term wing because you wanted to go home because even though you chose to be there, you could not choose to leave. Mm -hmm. And so there becomes a sort of performative aspect and there becomes this thing of, I don't want to be too sad, but I don't want to be too happy. And so you become very non-reactive. Mm -hmm. And so like someone gets in a fight right in front of you and you're just like, you know, you don't, because you don't want to, you don't want when you have your weekly, you know, evaluation, evaluation and you sit at a desk <laughs> with professionals all the way around it, you know, and you're there on the end. You don't want to be like, well, it seems that you were getting a little emotional on Tuesday. Like you don't, you don't want to have that. So you just, you just don't, you just don't. Mm -hmm. And so, but at one of the, at one point they take, they take me into this room. They they take me into this room, and I walk in this room, and it's a pretty small, 
pretty small. It feels, you know, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, like eight, like kind of square, like maybe eight chairs by like eight chairs. It's smaller than that. Like maybe, I don't know, but it was, it was packed. Okay. There's barely a seat in there. And uh, I'm in there and, and it was one of the dudes that had come up there in the van with me. Um, and there's this guy, this huge dude, and he's sitting there. And he's just popping his knuckles. Just really intimidating. I've never been, I, I've, I don't know if I've ever felt that intimidated. Um, and he's just... And so the guy that I'm with, his, his name was... Uh, what was his name? Brooks. His name was Brooks. And he was like, he's, 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 he's diffuser, man. He's like, he's like peacekeeper, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he's always, he's always in the middle, like calm people down. Right. Good mm-hmm. dude, Brooks. And so he like, uh, goes, Hey man, uh, does that, does that hurt when you do that? And this guy, he's not, clear either and he says some some silly something crazy and he goes i got five black belts and goes like right back to like popping his popping his stuff like just a total like and then they're like uh richard wooten and i'm like okay i don't know even know what i'm here for and so i go in and i sit in and, and it's like i'm in a judge's office like I'm in a lawyer, like, like this is, you know, and I sit down, it's got all the books and all the things and at the big desk and all that sort of stuff. And then he opens up the phone. He's like, so we're going to decide and uh, determine if you're going to have charges filed against you. So it seems here that you assaulted somebody. But uh, do you, who? You! Well, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't file those charges. Isn't that insane? Uh, well, like, uh, my only response is wah wah to what you just asked me. Uh, right. Isn't that insane? So you didn't file, you didn't press charges, but I think, I think what it is, is because of the sort of the, the apparatus that it requires for me to have gotten transport, I was technically arrested. Mm-hmm. And so you, they, you know what I mean? And like, so maybe this is just procedural. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like that to me at the time. It felt like I was defending, like I had to legal defend myself in a legally binding way. And so, and, and that's- Did you what, have a lawyer present? <laughs> this is so grossly un- Constitutional, it feels. I'm in a <clears throat> mental hospital. And now they're asking to have a judge like give you stank eye over some paperwork yeah. that's not clear. Yeah, and so and I'm like, I'm, and so I'm 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 trying to defend. I was like, I, I didn't actually hit him. I didn't actually do any harm. Da 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 da. And can you um, so keep in mind, all right? Mm-hmm. I have two bachelor's degrees at this point. Mm-hmm. I have stood. In a class, in like you know, lecture halls and lectured. At mm. this point, I have defended a thesis against physicists, you know, and whatnot. If I hadn't had the privilege of having those experiences, how well would I have been able to defend myself on the fly 
This is a good chance, not so much. Good right. chance of being like, fuck you. I didn't fucking do any. You know right, what right, I mean? right, yeah. And like, and, and. It's a very much you could have been, I have five black belts kind of <laughs> self-defense mechanism happening. Right yeah, there. yeah. You know, it, it's so, so I just, that's just one example of this, of this whole thing of that, yes, I had a really, you know, I had some very hard things happen. Yes, I had some very traumatic things. Um, but even amongst that, I still had, there, there, this thing can happen to you and you have less than I had. And it's going to be, it was really hard for me to make it onto the other side of this. It was really fucking hard. Mm -hmm. And it's even harder for some other people because they didn't have access to the resources or the support that I had, or they didn't have the education that I had mm -hmm. whenever this shit went down in their mind, mm -hmm. you know? And that, that's not lost on me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Has anybody told you that they're proud of you? That's always it, isn't it? Because, I mean... Like, not everyone comes out of the cave, Richard. It's a fucked up thing, man. You know, like that phrase. You know. Because in my... In my, like, darkest, depressed moments and whatnot, like the phrase that... Wid, that, like that like crawls out of my like subconscious is referencing my father and my grandfather because I'm, I, I have the same initials as my father. Mm. I look very, when I have facial hair, I look very much like him. And then I'm named after my grandfather mm. whom I look like, I look exactly like him when I'm clean shaven. So I was very much, you know, feel like the and I lost both of them before I was eight years old so mm. it's like this very weird thing for me um but the phrase that you know like comes up from the depths you know and I, I've had times of just being curled up like in the fetal position just weeping you know and just repeating over and over again are they proud of me are they proud of me? Would they be proud of me? And it's so crazy. It's so silly. It's so strange that that word, when you're, you know, means so much in that context. So. What do you think? <clears throat> I think it's going to be all right. I guess more of my question is like, 
hearing you say, are they proud of me? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 if I think about that, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, there's a, there's like a kind of like, well, they fucking better be. I did more than they did. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> you know, um, they're like, have you seen? It's like, do you fucking know me? Fuck yeah, you better be proud of me. If you're not proud of me, dad, that's your fucking problem. There's a that's a layer. That's a layer. That's yeah, definitely. A, um, that's the not vulnerable layer is what yeah, I'll name that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there's there's like that thing. Um, there's a part of me. It's like it doesn't matter if they would be or or they wouldn't be. You know. Um, because if they were here, my life would be very different. If there was a way for me to know if they were or weren't, it's a pointless question to ask. Um, there's, that's like, I would call that the practical objective view. Yeah. So there, there's that. There's that layer. There's another layer that's sort of like it doesn't matter because I'm proud. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm. I wouldn't be wanting to. Ha- I wouldn't have chosen to have this conversation mm-hmm. if I didn't have a certain I mean what is pride anyway you know in a pot what is what does that even mean you know is it, it means that I am okay with people seeing this I'm okay with this being known mm-hmm. you know I claim this right and you know and I guess that's what it, it's like oh well they're proud of me does that that means like would he would you would he claim me as my son right or as and his I'm hearing, son and I would call that self-acceptance you know and it's it's and like I You know what? I'm hearing there's a lot of layers to that question. <laughs> I think they would be. I think they would be. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like in the heart of hearts is really, I think, the area that I'm talking about. Which, like, somebody it, that loves you, and somebody that takes the time to know you. And the reason I asked the question is because I'm proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm proud of you. Because we can say that it was your privilege. We could say that it was the fortune of the decisions you made. We could say that it was the luck of the support of your mother in the home that you had stability in. We could we could attribute all of that all the day we want. And like and none of those are guarantees. Right. You know. That and, and, and the, the reason that I'm saying I'm proud of you is because I've had the, the hardship with you and the privilege of being with you on this journey. And you're one of the men I respect most of men that I know. And then that comes from a, a way that you show up and the way that you approach things. And there's like a a, a way that you've made it here yeah that like Richard I'm proud of you yeah I hmm yeah I know good so and and I say this with the same knowing that I know that you're proud of me of course you know of course you've seen the decisions I've made in the direction that I go. I don't always make good decisions. Yeah. And I've made a lot of good ones 
here in my recent past that have yeah. set me in a, a much healthier direction. Yeah, and and that's what I'm speaking from. It's like I see you, right? Yeah, and and I. It's a tricky thing, you know, talking about all this stuff because I. And it doesn't go away. It doesn't make it invisible. It doesn't make oh, it yeah. felt better. Like, I still have panic attacks. Right. You know, I don't have them near as often. And I'm pretty good at managing them when they show up. Mm-hmm. And I also still do the things that can give me a panic attack sometimes by, like, putting my guard down or mm -hmm. thinking I'm good now. Yeah, yeah. I can push the limits on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's... And and it's same, same with me. It happens every once in a while. Mm, same, you know. Um, and you just kind of, kind of like, greet it like an old, like a like an old friend that mm. that, that that you don't particularly like, mm -hmm. but you know, <laughs> but you know pretty intimately. Yeah. And so, and and yeah, I don't want to. Um, <clears throat> yeah, because it's. And I guess this is it. Maybe this is this is my a good way to sort of put my perspective on it. I'm not, I have a lot. There's a lot of really good things going for me in my life, and and it would have been difficult to connect, you know, this to go from this night that we've described, and me being in the mental hospital in 2008 of having lost all the opportunities that I had before me. Mm -hmm. Um, pissed it all away, so to speak, you know. I begged. I begged. A&M wouldn't take me back. Um, and to to where I'm at now, you know, like mm -hmm. that's not a straight line. And so it's easy to, to sort of think that what I have now is, it's like, are you one? <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, I can lose all of this. Right. And I, but, and then I guess like maybe that's the difference is I, or maybe that's the thing is that I know I can. And so that makes me work every day not to. Right. Um, like I know that it's, it's like, no, like I can, I can, if I let things go unattended hmm. for too many days in a row or for a few weeks or some, some shit like that, like, I could lose my family. I could lose, you know, this cool studio I built. All, you know, what all, all these things that are sort of symbols of my success or whatever. It, none of it is guaranteed. You know, this isn't. Yeah. And I, I know you're not implying any of that. Yeah. Because like what I'm talking about is when I'm watching you with Max. Mm-hmm. And I see like you take a breath and like be patient Mm. and be kind and be loving and when I watch you be the man that supports your wife so vehemently and the guy who's always looking to find himself and hear others like that might have come from all of your experiences but that's not everyone's choices from the experiences you've had 
Yeah. And there's this man in between all of the results that you've had. It's the moments that have nothing to do with your accomplishments that I'm proud of. I appreciate that. So, well, cool. <laughs> I feel like we did the thing we set out to do. We've done that. So, um, anything you want to say that's feel complete? Oh, fuck. Um, at some point, I'll delve in to the whole mental hospital thing because it's surreal. It's hilarious. It's terrifying. It's mm -hmm. silly. It's, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, that's another story for another time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I I don't I don't really have <clears throat> I don't know, like the thing that I said at the beginning is that it's okay to ask for help, whatever that means for mm -hmm. you, and it's okay for those steps towards help to be messy. For sure. Yeah. Because the mental hospital was messy. But in, but it did have a net good, I think. It was a form of help, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it was clumsy, as institutions tend to be, tend to be mm -hmm. you know. But it still did something, you know. And so don't, you know, it, I don't know. It's a, it's really, it's a really difficult balancing act to try to, you know, manage these things, but, uh, but it is, it is possible mm -hmm. and it's possible to do it. And it's possible to, to function highly while doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, you just got to give yourself, you know, you got to give yourself some grace and hold yourself accountable. And it's difficult to find the right way to do both of those at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's a skill. That's a skill. And that's, it's, it's okay to not get that right, mm -hmm. right out of the gate, mm -hmm. you know? Mm. I think that's really good advice. So, all right. Thanks for having me on, brother. Ah, uh, thanks for being here, man. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I forgot about the duct tape on the door. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Adios. Adios.